Hello and welcome to the Health in Focus with Jacobus podcast. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. The purpose of the show is to talk about health, healing and healthy lifestyles in a format that is down to earth and pretty easy to comprehend. Most shows will be conversations with experts in the field. However, sometimes I will do a podcast on my own tackling other topics that interest me. The focus is on information, education, even some entertainment. It's not a program where we diagnose, treat, or cure any diseases. In case this podcast and topic tickle your interest, please continue your own research by discussing it with a preferred medical professional, by reading books on the topic, or by doing more research on the internet. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and that you will become a follower for more show updates. Also, please sign up at my website, healthinfocusnow.com, and receive updates on podcasts and articles. Thank you so much. Well, my guest today is Dr. Lou Walters. He is a naturopathic physician, and he has a clinic in Bozeman, Montana, called The Source Wellness Center. You can actually go to this website. It's called thesourcewellnesscenter.com. You can also reach him by phone. It's 406-551-6175. 406-551-6175. Just a couple pieces of detail about Dr. Lou. He went to the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon, graduated first in his class in 2009, summa cum laude. Where he, had to, he gave the speech during graduation, <laughs> and uh, he had to work for that one. They didn't just give it to him because he was number one in class. He had to actually audition for that, and he won that audition as well. So he is a very popular man. And our topic today is Hidden Causes of Fatigue. Dr. Lou, thanks for being here. Uh, it's great to be here. It's been a while since uh, we've sat down and chatted. And I'm, I'm hoping we can give out some good information that, that helps some, some folks feel better and enjoy their life a little bit more. Yeah. How would you define fatigue? I'll let my patients' comments uh, define it. You know, not feeling like they have the the energy to be able to do what they need to do and what they want to do, not able to do the things that they love, not having the patience that they want to have with their kids and their family, and just generally feeling worn down and, and difficult getting through the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think many of us, we're all, um, times we'll go through where we feel a little less energy than we want, but when it starts to be a consistent thing where, you know, more days than not, you're feeling low energy or you, it's tough to get through the day, then, you know, there's some things to look at and, and, you know, there's always what we call frank pathology when there's somebody has chronic fatigue. And that means there's an actual medical condition going on. So there's lots of chronic issues, chronic conditions that can contribute to fatigue or that can be a symptom of, and and people should go to their doctor to, to make sure that that's not the case. But, you know, this is not tackling all those items. These are more somewhat more simple or straightforward things that often get overlooked that can be a a huge impact on people's energies on a daily basis. They're basically Mm -hmm. drains of energy. But that's an interesting concept that Mm -hmm. fatigue can be the cause of problems and fatigue can be the effect of problems. Correct. Huh. That makes it very special. I would say almost unique. It's, you know, we need energy for our bodies to function and to, to get through life. And even on a cellular level, all the things that happen need a certain amount of energy. When we get into biochemistry and, and we're talking about adenosine triphosphate, ATP. Yeah. So being able to make that. So our breathing, you know, we use in aerobic respiration, we're using oxygen to make lots of ATP. And then we'll use food and glucose to make energy as well. 
So we only have so much to go around. It's like a budget for a family or, or a government. There's, well, maybe that's not the best analogy. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go into a deficit. Uh, but yeah. for families, you know, you have a certain amount of income that you have to be able to spend appropriately. And, and if you're going to go on vacation, you might have to pinch some strings in other places so that you can afford to, to do that. And it's the same with the body with energy. If you're, if you're going to, like I ran this big 20-mile race, you know, that took a lot of energy that then you know, had to be replenished or yeah. be taken from other places. Huh. So there's these other things that begin going in the body. Where is that ATP being directed or being used? Mm. And you know, some of the the places that it's being drained from or where it's going isn't something that people think about. Hmm. You know, somebody has, we'll say lupus or cancer, you know, that's going to deplete energy in a, in a different way. And, and so that's when I talk about frank pathology, those are sort of the, the things that I'm talking about. Some other health condition that's taking up energy that then you don't have to be able to use in your day-to-day -day life. Right. So when a patient comes in and says, I just been dealing with this horrible fatigue mm -hmm. Then you have your own questionnaire where you say, yep. "Are you what happened? How long have you had it?" Anytime we were trained in school, anytime somebody comes in with things, you basically assume the worst first and have to rule those things out. Uh -huh. I do it by asking questions, and usually pretty quickly within a few questions. Okay, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's this. My intake form for new patients is quite thorough. It's mm -hmm. it's about 15 pages, and they get that well ahead of time so that they have plenty of time to t uh, sit with it and fill it out and reflect on it. And I let them know that, that you know a lot of doctors, their intake form you can fill out in five minutes beforehand, and some people are kind of programmed to do that. And I let them know, you know this is going to take you a lot longer. It actually helps me quite a bit to be able to read through your, your history and what you answered. Mm -hmm. And unlike a lot of doctors, I actually do sit down and read it at least once, if not multiple times, and have notes. And I know what I want to ask when they come in. Okay. And then I ask more questions to try to get a sense of, you know, what's going on. You know, are there something big and scary or some other chronic condition we need to look at or address? Looking at what happened before this onset of this, was there some big experience, whether it be a physical experience or an illness or a big stress that's been been tapping their energy and then going through all the, the different things of basically that could cause them to, to lose energy. And mm -hmm. in America, especially, we tend to like the magic bullet theory where we, it's one thing. It's, you know, take this one supplement or it's this one issue in our life, you know, it's that one food when it's usually a combination of a lot of different things and then trying to put that together for people to get all those different aspects figured out and balanced. So it's a whole protocol and process that I take people through to, to get their energy up. And the idea is not just take this thing that then you're reliant on necessarily for, for energy, but let's try to then figure out why did you get depleted in energy in the first place? Mm -hmm. And then what can we do in your life? What habits and things can we do on a regular basis that are actually self-sustaining and self-building of your energy so that you you have plenty of energy uh, on a more regular basis and, and not just try to rely on coffee, say, which a lot of people do. If you ever drive by the Starbucks line or yes, uh, the drive-through around two, yeah. it's for crazy to me how long that line is. But, you know, more coffee is, is it's not a coffee deficiency of why people are so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> That's a good one. So what, since we're talking about this intake form, uh, mm -hmm. what are some of the reactions you get from patients when they come in that first visit? What are they saying about the whole intake form? Did they actually get a better sense of themselves? For example, most people say I haven't thought about my my health that extensively in a long time or ever. 
especially moms will come in and say, wow, I realize I spend so much time taking care of everybody else. I don't, I haven't been thinking about myself. Mm. Um, and it was really helpful for me to really put that down and go through uh, lots of different aspects and different areas of life. So it's, it's quite helpful, not just for me, but for them as well to have some of that self-awareness. And yeah. I mean, even when I have patients keep a, a journal or a diet diary of what they're eating for a week, it's often very um, eye-opening for them when they realize well, I was actually eating quite more of chocolate or sugar or whatever it happens to be than mm-hmm. I than I really thought I had. And obviously that has something to do with it as well. Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so like give us a give us a hidden source of fatigue. Start with one. We, once we, we you know we get out of things like anemia, which you know if not oh, enough yeah. you know sure. um, iron. iron or folic acid B twelve, or there's some other issue that's preventing the the body to be able to make blood cells to carry the oxygen around that it needs for the ATP. You know there, we'll keep it try to, as simple as possible. So what goes in? So what is the fuel that people are eating? What is the food that they're eating? Uh, the energy sources, mm-hmm. the the quality of that food, the, is it nutrient dense? A lot of people in, in our country in America, they tend to eat a lot of starches and sugars and quick fixes of energy. Yeah. And, and I'm not necessarily demonizing eating a carbohydrate, but in general that those sugars, and that's what carbohydrates, what starch is, is long chains of sugar. So when you eat rice or potatoes or oatmeal or breads, those sort of things, it's long chains of sugar that when it gets digested, gets released in the blood as sugar. So it, it has that almost the same exact effect as, as sugar is going to have ultimately. Um, but that, that rise in blood sugar and then a crash is like putting a piece of paper on a campfire. So it's going to burn real hot and real fast and then it goes out. So then you need that next fix. You need that next piece of paper. So, you know, you eat that ba- half a bagel in the morning and then, you know, a couple hours later, you're, you're starting to crave and want something else. Yeah. And where if you're eating, say, proteins and fats, it's going to burn like a log. It's going to burn nice and slow and a little more steady and give you more fuel f- through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the, a lot of the enzymes in our body when it comes to ATP and otherwise the other processes require vitamins and minerals to work properly. So they need all these cofactors and things that we also should be getting ideally through our food. And if not, then taking a supplement if mm-hmm. we're not getting enough through our food. So looking at what are they eating, looking at how are they eating. So are they taking their time to make food, to relax, to chew their food well? You know, we have our autonomic nervous system, which has two parts. One part is the sympathetic fight or flight. And then we have parasympathetic rest, digest, and heal. Most of us, myself included, spend about 90% of our day in the fight or flight sympathetic dominance that part of the the nervous system shuts down our digestive system. Where the parasympathetic, we're only in 10% and we should be in that 90% of our day. Oh, you want to reverse that? We want to reverse it. Oh, wow. So especially Is that possible? In our Why society, not 50-50? In our society, it's, it's tough to, to fully reverse it. But at least can we reverse it enough in the important times like around meals, sleep, so that we can get good sleep, that we can get good, you know, basically digest and absorb our food. There's a, a big thing now in medicine where you're starting to hear about pancreatic insufficiency. When, and when you look upstream, it's the, the stomach acid that comes from the stomach into the small intestine that stimulates the pancreas to release its enzymes. If we're under a lot of stress and pushing ourselves real hard, 
those hormones and neurotransmitters from the sympathetic side of the nervous system is going to inhibit stomach acid production. So then we make less stomach acid. We don't stimulate our pancreas. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it has a, a very trickle-down sort of effect as well as, you know, it's, everything's connected and affects everything else. So we, we don't want to just focus yeah, on one Yeah, because then it will affect downstream. Yep. And if you don't digest your food, yep. then it's hard for the bacteria to absorb it into the bloodstream. Exactly. If we don't digest and then it. So that means the cells become depleted. Mm -hmm. If we don't, it, you know, you could have the best diet in the world, but if you're not absorbing it, it's just passing through and maybe f causing an overgrowth or an imbalance in the bacteria in the GI tract as well. Yeah. So, you know, we got to look at all aspects, you know, one, food choices and then nutrient content. And then how is it being digested and absorbed? Is mm -hmm. there something in there that's, that's causing a problem that we need to look at? Um, yeah. as part of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are the the ins, making sure they're getting, you know, the right type of fuel, yeah. all the nutrients they need, that they're digesting and absorbing it appropriately. Okay. And then they say, okay, well, we did all that right. Yeah. Well, obviously nobody does. <laughs> nobody has a perfect diet because even if you eat organic and mm -hmm. you, you, you chew your food 80 mm -hmm. times and eat with chopsticks and sit in a lotus position and <laughs> grow your arm hair, you know, that, that is no guarantee that you eat healthy. No, especially, you know, we hear about the Mediterranean diet, which the, all the studies are in the, that it's a health supporting diet. But then what they don't talk about in these studies is they talk about, say, whole grains and whatnot. But let's look at the how those grains were grown and how they were processed. Because, you know, I see a lot of people who have trouble eating gluten and wheat in America, and they go over to, to Europe, and they don't seem to have any problem whatsoever eating it. So, you know, how it's processed, how it's raised... You know, the sodium bromide that they put in it, the, the pesticides that they're adding to it to dry it out, all these things have an effect. So even though it's quote unquote Mediterranean diet friendly, or it, it might not be the same exact thing. I see. Mm. Yeah. Plus, I think for some people, this, you go to Europe and you mm. see how people just enjoy mm. life. They enjoy cooking. It's, a, it's part of the day. And I think that so many people over here were so into let's eat quickly we're not spending the time to enjoy the food what we put into the food is also coming into us if you cooking in the kitchen and you have a big heavy discussion with somebody while you're cooking trying to get the food out it's going into the food i totally believe that i think people who just enjoy to make a beautiful meal and 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 really put that time and effort into it and the heart into it and listen to music and feel relaxed. I do believe that food is more nutritious. I completely agree. I have a, a friend I went to school with who, you know, is a great cook, has these great recipes. And, you know, I fancy myself a bit of a cook myself. So I, you know, would ask her for the recipes and I would make, I would follow them to the letter and they, they tasted nothing like. Nothing like hers. Nothing like. It was not nearly as good. Uh, and then I watched her cook. And then I realized the, the missing ingredient that wasn't on the paper was the love. So she cooked with so much love and passion to be able to, it was a way to, to serve people and to help people and to, to nourish people. And when I started cooking that way, food started tasting better in general. So I actually have a little spoon holder that says cook with love to always remind me every time I cook to put that ingredient in every dish. Yeah, that's, I like it. So more nutrition in the food, we'll probably get better nutrition in the cells so the cells can produce more ATP. Exactly. And then there's, that's what goes in. 
then there's what comes out. Yeah. So, you know, our, our body produces metabolic waste and we have to be able to get rid of that waste. And if we're not eliminating that waste properly, it can interfere with normal cell function, normal tissue function, and it can cause uh, inflammation and tissue damage uh, long-term if we're, we're not getting it. And that's a big energy drain as well. Or if you have diarrhea, mm -hmm. then obviously you're not breaking down the food correctly either, right? Uh, no, you're not. Yeah, probably more likely not absorbing yeah. the nutrients because your body's just saying, hey, we got to get this out quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that water and electrolytes and then those, some of those nutrients aren't, aren't going in as well. So mm -hmm. they're just passing through. So you know, a lot of people do a cleanse, you know, one week out of the year. And that's like going to the gym for one week out of the year. You know, there, there's more that we can be doing on a, on a regular basis to, to help eliminate waste from the body so the tissue can function properly. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I do in, in my practice is called biotherapeutic drainage, which is using different remedies to help stimulate different organ systems and on a cellular level to eliminate waste more effectively and to function properly. I see. Is that like a, a meal planning that takes place with this kind of a cleanse that you're talking about, or is it uh, pills and powders, or is it what, what is exactly? Well, the, the biotherapeutic drainage is, is more working just with different remedies to stimulate the cells to eliminate waste properly. If you think of a, a bucket, if you know it's filling up, it's going to overflow, and that's yeah. often what symptoms are. So we want to try to drain that from, from accumulating in the in the first place. Mm. So have that that ability to to pour out that waste on a regular basis with things so that it doesn't accumulate it doesn't cause problems and then you know doing a cleanse there's nothing wrong with doing a cleanse but we just want to not lure ourselves into false confidence that doing you know, just one thing for a week out of the year is is going to make all the difference in the world I am in retail we have so many clients coming in customers mm -hmm. come in who want to cleanse the body mm -hmm. and they are confused and don't even know where to start. So then you have, well, I want to cleanse. Okay, what do you, do you want like a colon cleanse? Do you want to kind of keep the pipes clean? Are you looking for a, well, I've been using some drugs and a lot of alcohol and I just want to do a liver cleanse. Okay, how about a kidney cleanse? How about, how about a lymphatic drainage? There are so many cleanses out there for customers to look into. How do you, as a naturopathic physician, talk to people about a cleanse? We look at the, I look at the, the what we call the amunctories, the main roots of elimination. So we, you know, have the, the kidneys, we mm -hmm. have the lungs, we have the liver and intest, large intestine, uh, and then the skin is a, a backup. It's our secondary route of elimination. If the other ones aren't working the way they're supposed to, then they'll start pushing toxins out through the skin. But we factor that in as well. I look at where they seem most stuck, where they need the most help, and also what sort of things they've been doing in their life or consuming in their life that might be leading to that congestion in the first place. When we talk about doing any kind of a cleanse, we want to make sure those roots of elimination are open okay. and are working. Okay. So the analogy I use in the office is, you know, we, we, we want to do spring cleaning and we want to, you know, shake out all the dust and the carpets and everything. We don't want to have all the doors and windows closed when we do that. We're going to stir all this stuff up that's then going to cause problems. It'll be hard to breathe mm -hmm. and have issues. So we want to, don't want to stimulate the, the cells in the body to try to keep eliminating waste on a cellular level 
if the doors aren't open to get it out. Okay. So we want to make sure that their kidneys are working well, that their their liver and large intestine are, are open and working, and that basically all the roots are, are functioning and ready to go. So say somebody comes in, hey, I want to do a cleanse. I'm feeling kind of toxic. Well, I'll ask questions, you know, and tell me about, you know, how often you go to the bathroom. Well, eh, every other day, maybe every third day. Well, the first thing we need to work on before we start doing a cleanse per se is, is just getting the colon working. So when I do a cleanse, we're looking at on, on a cellular level, trying to get the, the tissue to release toxins and get it out, not just are they pooping on a, on a regular basis and call it good on as far as that being a cleanse. We want to make sure they they're pooping before we actually do the cleanse part. Before they do the the so-called body cleanse. Yes. So now you you open up the, the mm-hmm. colon first. Yep. But what if they have a peristalsis? Well, yeah, we can go into this, but uh, there could be all kinds of issues. The cleanse could be a great show yeah. to talk about just cleanses. So when people are plugged up, let's call mm-hmm. it that way, I think that is a very good cause for fatigue because they they're not feeling great. They know that they're, let's say, constipated, and mm-hmm. that could be in different parts of the body, mm-hmm. right? That people know that, and it affects them on a daily basis. They think about it because they get frustrated. And when your mind is frustrated, it's very difficult to give an output, I mean, to, to have a good performance in whatever you do during that day. So being plugged up could very well be a cause of fatigue. Absolutely. So if we're not getting rid of waste and if we're worried about it, especially, and then those toxins are building up, uh, you know, one of the jobs the liver does is, you know, some of the things in our large intestine do get reabsorbed. You know, it's a way that the body's trying to get rid of waste, some of it, Mm -hmm. because so much of our water gets reabsorbed there. That's one of the main functions of the large intestine. But then the liver has to work to to metabolize those things that get reabsorbed with it as well. And then that requires a certain amount of energy for those pathways to work and those enzymes to work. So even just digesting takes a certain amount of energy. So some people, you know, do intermittent fasting or they'll do a, a water cleanse or a juice cleanse to give their GI system a little bit of a break so that it doesn't mm-hmm. have, need to take so much energy just to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not promoting any of those things per se. And if you're thinking about doing it those... It depends on the individual. Yeah, you need to talk to right? your doctor before you start doing water cleanses and juice cleanses. Why do to people make sure. say that? Why, why do you say that as a doctor, for example... Do you say they need to see another doctor before they can can work with this? Well, sure, I'd like to work with with everybody, but no, I can't I know see that. everybody. But but I, I I hear this so often. Talk to your doctor. If if you talk about a regular medical doctor, mm-hmm. no offense, but uh, no offense. I mean, you're Don't a naturopath physician, but you've done medical school. Then they have the time, mm-hmm. have no idea what you're talking about, really. Mm-hmm. So they don't even have a program in the office. So they're not going to say, well, you should do this. The Western medicine pretty much thinks that you're deficient in medication. And they just say, we need to give you medication for this. That's just the way it is. So when I say doctor, I'm, I don't necessarily just think you're a medical doctor. I'm thinking, you know, because a lot of people I talk to have an H path already. And, and I just, my biggest concern is I want people to be safe. Uh, some of the things I recommend or say if, if that in general... There are contraindications for. So somebody could have a pre-existing health condition or, or their constitution or that that isn't necessarily great for them. And it could actually put their health at risk. 
And I don't know everybody's health history. You know, I, I had a, very early on, I had a, a friend of mine who I went to medical school with who we call it hallway medicine. She was at a dinner party. Somebody said, hey, you know, I, I have this symptom. What herbs? She was an herbalist as well. What herbs should I take? And she just trying to help, just said, I would take this, this, and this. Didn't know any of medications, anything about her health history other than that one symptom that she had. Mm-hmm. And that pay- person ended up in the ER because she was on several medications that had an interaction with what she was taking. Yeah. So for, for my primary thing is I don't want anybody to, you know, just take what I say as a recommendation for them, they go do it and something happens and, and they get hurt. Somebody who knows their health history to at least have a, uh, some guidance in there. But I, I completely agree with you. Mo- you know, medical doctors, and I have good friends who are medical doctors. I don't think they're bad people or the enemy or anything like that. They got into this for the most part because they want to help people. The tools that they were taught to use to help people are pharmaceuticals and surgery. They have little to no training in anything else. And like most people, it's things that they don't understand. They tend to shy away from or tell people not to, to take. You know, I'll have somebody who's going in for a surgery or something and the, the medical doctors don't understand supplements and vitamins. So they just say, just stop taking everything. Or, you know, they're worried about, you know, say fish oil and say, like, well, okay, it does have a slightly blood thinning effect, but you'd have to be taking a high amount of fish oil for it to prevent clotting or, or other issues. The aspirin that you're having them taking probably is more of a danger than the, than the fish oil. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more uh, primarily I don't want people to get hurt. And then I don't, there, you know, we do have a litigious society. I don't want to say something that somebody takes the wrong way or, or does and takes it as, you know, I was talking to them specifically that they should do it, not knowing anything about them. And then they come back and want to hold me accountable. So those are the, the two main reasons why we, most people are going to say, go see your, your doctor, or talk to them first. You know, they don't want people to get hurt and they don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. So that's straight up why most people, most doctors are going to say that. <clears throat> but I agree. But you obviously, know. you're talking today yeah. simply about fatigue. And, and I think your point is extremely valid. Mm-hmm. A cleanse, body cleanse, opening up the roots so that mm-hmm. the body can eliminate before we really start the cleanse. And then let's build the body back up. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal system. There is no reason to believe that that is not a great solution for possible fatigue or chronic fatigue Mm -hmm. makes total sense but depending on how that person is put together and the stressors they're under that most people most doctors you have 15 pages you can get a lot of answers but like you said many doctors only ask five minutes of questions do you have pain here an allergy to that and then you're ready to go for the body itself there are many options, mm-hmm. but like you said, there is many aspects that play that make us the people who we are with our with our in our spirit, in our mental, emotional, and physical bodies. We simply we're going through stuff every day, every week, every year. There is stuff happening, stresses that come in, work things that we eat. Maybe we had food poisoning. Whatever it is, there is always change. That's one thing we know that always happens. I can see your point when you say that's why you go to a physician Mm. and just have some guidance before you just embark on this cleansing journey because it's never done. I, I, when I was in my twenties, I did a lot of cleansing and I did a lot of fasting, three day fast, every week, a day, every month, three days. Uh, We did a 10 day fast, colonics, enemas twice a day. 
if my wife said something to me close to my face, I heard an echo in my in my belly. You know, so it's it's I was as clean as a whistle when I was in my twenties. A lot of people can do things in their twenties that they can't do anymore in their sixties. There's a a couple of common fallacies that I run into, and one is is we try to treat every person as if they're exactly the same. And everybody is not exactly the same for a lot of the things that you mentioned. You know, we have different genes and genetics and epigenetics and stresses and bacteria in our guts and, you know, different events that it set us up and how we look at things and all these multifactorial things affect us, our constitution, our temperament, all these things can affect our energy as well as how we look at things and, and the way things affect us. So I'll have somebody come in and say, Doc, I, I took this supplement and oh my God, it changed my life. Like you got to give it to everybody. And early on in my career, I would try, I would do little experiments. Patients who seen, had similar stories and similar symptoms, I'd say, I'm going to give you this if you're up for it. You know, I'm going to see you know, this other patient who had the same sort of things that it made a, a miracle for them. And I'm not going to charge you for it. I'm paying for it. I just, you just have to take it and report back to me. We'll see if it had that effect. And what I found with these products is like everything, some people got improvement. A lot of people didn't. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not always just about the pill or the supplement. There's other things as well that we have to factor into. And that's where, especially naturopathic doctors and holistic practitioners you know, we're looking at the body in a different way. It, it's not just this pharmaceutical study that, that we're trying to manipulate this, this physiology. And we also don't want to just substitute a green pill instead of the white one. I you know, see. we, we want to zoom out and look at all aspects of health. And the other uh, fallacy that I run into a lot is that people tend to think that it's a natural substance and it can't cause harm. So somebody takes too much niacin, you know, that can not just cause the, the flushing, but it can cause liver damage as well. Yeah. Somebody drinks too much water that can, you know, lead to, you know, depletion of their, their sodium. And, yeah. So it can cause problems. So too much of things, you know, even natural things can be a problem. And when we start talking about supplements and other things, as far as it can help with energy in, in natural, you know, well, it's natural, it's fine. Well, technically cocaine is natural and that'll help yeah. your energy for a while as True. well. Yeah. So we, we don't want to just fall into to that trap. One of the things I do in my office and I tell people, because I'll ask, people ask me, what do you specialize in? And I say people and they, they laugh and they think it's funny. They say, no, I'm serious. I, I specialize in people. I don't treat diseases. I don't treat fatigue. I treat people who happen to have that symptom or that condition. And we're trying to work with that individual person because how that one person ended up with fatigue could be completely different from 10 other people who come into my office. They could all have different stories and different things in their life that led to that fatigue, even though they have the same symptom. Mm -hmm. So I'm not treating fatigue. I'm treating them as a person and not just what do they need now to get some energy to get going, which is often part of the process because you know we got to be able to get through our lives. But then looking back, what led to that fatigue in the first place? So if it's a toxin issue, either something they're exposed to or they're not eliminating waste properly or they're under a lot of stress and that's causing their GI system to not work well, less work on that. So these other supplements, you might not need as many or any at all. And then let's start, what can we do in your life that is, isn't draining your energy, that's actually building your energy and make that instead of the thing you take, the thing you do for your health, as opposed to, you know, I've had patients that come in their first appointment, I ask them to bring their supplements and everything they're taking in so I can see it. 
because when people come in and say, I take two of the green ones, I don't know what they're talking about. Yes. So I'll have my entire desk, you know, just covered in supplements. And yeah. I don't understand how they can take this many things in a day. Yeah. So we'll, we'll look at what do you really need out of this? Is it, can we can just streamline it? You know, one of my, my mentors uh, in school, he was an acupuncturist, took a lot of Chinese medicine courses for the, the cosmology and symbolism part of it. I, didn't, I don't do needles, but he said the master acupuncturist is the one who has the greatest impact with the fewest needles. Mm. And I try to do the same thing with supplements and the things that I do. What are the, the home runs? What are the things that are going to have the biggest impact that, that are really going to cause the greatest change for somebody as opposed to just giving them everything that might? That's a very powerful point. I see indeed with when it comes to vitamins mm -hmm. or some people, I mean, I really think it is probably some type of an addiction. Yeah. They have transferred one addiction to another addiction. So if, if this was my addiction that was not good, I'm moving into another addiction that I'm doing everything correctly. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that we have to be very careful about. And and I should disclose, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't take supplements. I take no, supplements yeah, I don't on a daily basis. Yeah. Just making sure. I, I take supplements. No, no, no. And, you're and, just talking about yeah, you have but, a table full of supplements, you yeah, go like, it's, well, it's, it's that's a, little, a lot of that's it's, it's a little, little double whammies yeah. right there. And yeah. and going back to our point earlier, you know, saying, you know, somebody should talk to, you know, somebody who's managing their health care before they say do a, a week long water fast. We want to make sure that that they have the vitality already and that, that that's not gonna put them even further behind the eight ball energy wise because it that can be even further depleting for somebody who's already on you know um doesn't have a lot of reserves so we need to make sure they're strong enough to be able to to handle that and there's a time and place for it and sometimes there isn't and that's why going to an actual physician who not just is giving prescription medications but who's you know doing other things and and looking at the body holistically is important. You know, functional medicine doctor is the, the buzzword right now. Mm -hmm. You know, naturopaths do this as well, but not just take this drug or everybody gets this and or looking it up on Dr. Google because Google said it's fine, it's fine for me. And this is where having a trained professional who not just trained in pharmaceuticals, but trained in the things that you're thinking about doing can actually guide you through the process and make sure that the timing is right, that you're doing it when your body's ready and that you can handle it. If we need to support you through the process and give you certain things, I did a, a guided cleanse last spring, but it was, I was talking to them multiple times a week. We were checking in on people if we needed to change the, you know, we started with a somewhat protocol, but that protocol was very fluid because some people are going to respond differently. So if I need to, you know, it's going a little sideways for somebody, we can make, I can step in and do, do some adjustments to, to keep them on track because mm -hmm. their body might be a little bit different from the general protocol that I'd put together for it. And I see that just in general with lab work and everything, you know, there's people have a range. Um, so not everybody's, you know, one set number. Mm -hmm. So we have to factor that in when we look at other things that even though it's usually a bell curve for lab results. Yeah, that's Some right. Some people, their normal might be a little on the high end or a little, you know, out of the normal range. And that's not pathologic. That's just where they, they function mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. So we don't want to just look at labs and go down and is it low, is it higher? And we want to look at, at the actual number. We want to look how the numbers relate to each other. And we got to make sure we're ordering the right tests, which it doesn't, I see, I'm sure you have clients that come in to, yeah. to the store with their labs, but I see 
folks quite a bit where their, their medical doctor just didn't do a, a big enough, the appropriate test for their condition. That was a great topic, talking about <laughs> fatigue. Uh, so, I still um, got a lot to go, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So another one, you know, I'm thinking about adrenal, the, the buzzword. Mm-hmm. You talk about the buzzword just a moment ago, uh, the functional doctors. Mm-hmm. That's a buzzword. But a buzzword that I've heard for a long time is adrenal fatigue. Is that one of the topics you want to discuss? Uh, as one know, of the hidden causes? The, the hidden causes, you know, hormones and the endocrine oh, yeah, system sure. are, are a huge factor. And, yeah. and some people legitimately have, say, a, a thyroid issue where they have, you know, hypothyroid, low thyroid function. We'll get into that a little bit more, but I'll answer your question more about adrenals. But adrenals are, are for those who don't know, are, are stress glands. So they release, you know, short-acting hormones. You see a bear, like here in Montana, and you get a quick release of adrenaline to, so you can fight or flight or freeze. And, but it doesn't last very long in the body. So then the long-acting hormone that the brain wants to keep that process going for a long time will release cortisol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will help keep us in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yeah. Uh, and cortisol by itself isn't bad. But if we're in high levels of cortisol for a long, you know, most of our day, every day, that has, you know, breaks down tissue. It's going to affect blood sugar. It's going to suppress the immune system. Uh, it actually can promote inflammation long term. So, you know, it's it's not an ideal situation. And if we're cranking like most of us do, myself included, I can get, you know, I, I run a practice. I'm busy seeing patients all day. You know, I have a lot of outdoor activities. I train. I run. I tend to push myself. You have a full and, agenda. I have a full agenda. So my my adrenals get a lot of work. Um, so needing a little adrenal support is is not not necessarily uncommon, but we don't always want to just pin everybody who comes in with fatigue has adrenal fatigue and they just need to take adrenal supplements. For a long time, I was seeing everybody coming in thinking they had a thyroid issue. And it's like, well, we'll test to make sure it's not a thyroid issue, but I think it's you know X, Y, or Z. And more and more, the average person is hearing about the adrenal glands and adrenal support, and they're starting to you know come in and, and want that or take that. And, and it, like I said, it can just be... Time and place for it. You know, I, I just, when I was training for my, I did a 20 mile trail run here in, in Bozeman and I was pushing pretty hard. I needed, a, with between work and that, I needed a little support to, to help me get through that and recover afterwards. But it's not something I was planning on taking long term. It was just to, to rebuild them after I had, I had spent a little bit of my cash. I needed to re- restore my bank account. Yeah, you're absolutely makes total sense. Yeah. You know, you got to eat yep. too. You know, and if that eat comes in the form of a supplement, yep. or if it, well, I always tell people food is number one. A dietary mm-hmm. supplement is a supplement yep. to your diet and lifestyle. It doesn't replace it, you know, and, and, and your attitude mm-hmm. in life. Yep. And uh, and be careful, you know, make sure, avoid, don't, don't be too crazy, mm-hmm. but avoid being stupid. Yep. That's a tough one for some people. <laughs> <laughs> some people, that's a chronic condition. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, and there's, you know, as far as adrenals go, you know. Let, let, me, let me jump in certainly. just a second. A lot of people, I ask them, where are your adrenals? And they say, um, right here on the neck. Or they say, point on the chest, mm-hmm. upper chest. So the adrenals are located on top of your kidneys. They yep. look a little bit like a pyramid. And they're on top of the kidneys. In the Netherlands, we call them the the bi kidneys, mm. the, the extra kidneys. And I do believe that if adrenals are stressing out, that some of that energy leaches into the kidneys, and people could have some kidney issues. 
Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And even from yeah a Chinese medicine standpoint, that holds holds water as well. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, being the, the kidneys <laughs> yeah. or the water element. But if you think of the adrenal glands, there's an outer cortex and then an inner core, almost like a peach, say. And the the core of the peach, the medulla, that's what produces adrenaline and what's called noradrenaline. Mm-hmm. And then the those are the short-term hormones. And then the outer cortex produces cortisol, aldosterone, and the reproductive hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, not in huge amounts, but in small amounts. So, you know, those, those glands are really about, supposed to be about the size of an almond, and they can hypertrophy if we're under a lot of stress over a long term. You know, stress itself isn't isn't bad, but long term it can be a problem. And then those hormones can affect all sorts of other hormones in the body, as well as brain function, the immune system, and the cells in general. And it basically is those hormones are communicating to the cells where we're supposed to be spending our energy. Mm-hmm. And if we're in that fight or flight mode all the time, uh, you know, that can basically we're going to spend our money on getting uh, either staying still or running or or fighting. And mm-hmm. that's then energy we don't have to spend with our kids or energy to do the things that we love or to, to get to the gym and work out. Right. So all that factors into looking at the overall picture as far as people's stress and perceived stress and their endocrine balance. And then from a hunter-gatherer day thing, we, we didn't always have food stores on every corner and Amazon Prime that mails us stuff. And so, you know, we had to go searching for food and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it would take a little while to find the next food source. So our thyroid hormones are our metabolic accelerator, basically. It speeds things up. So we don't want to have a fast metabolism if we're breaking down our body, which is one of the things that cortisol levels will do. It breaks down our tissue to be able to create sugar for the brain so and for the muscles so that it can keep functioning. Yeah. So if we're high levels of, of cortisol, basically, even though now we have plenty of food available, our brains still have that primitive program in it thinking, okay, there's high cortisol, we're starving, we better inhibit our thyroid function. So instead of making the active form of the thyroid hormone T3, it creates a reverse T3 so that it slows our metabolism down so we burn through our body slower until we make it to the next food source. So our old wiring needs an update, you know, given the current food situation in, in the world. But these old programs in our, in our factory setting can affect our energy as well. So our thyroid's low or you're not getting enough thyroid hormone it might not be that you don't have enough thyroid hormone. It might be that you're under too much stress and your adrenal glands are producing too much cortisol through the day that's then slowing down your metabolism and your thyroid function. So these are all things that need to be factored in when we talk about fatigue. It's not just take this or do that. We need to look at the whole person and the whole picture. Mm, wow. Now I know why you're the doctor <laughs> and why you were the valedictorian. Goodness gracious. Dr. Lou, that was a, a, a very compact explanation about something that I really feel for most listeners, we need to unravel a little bit. Sure. Let's dive in. So there is a connection that the adrenals lay on top of the kidneys. The thyroid is in the throat, in the voice box kind of area. Kind of hugs. It looks like a Honda symbol. Just Honda kind of symbol. Says, just yeah. above your, your collarbone on your neck. Yeah. The adrenals make hormones. The thyroid makes hormones. The thyroid deals with metabolism. The adrenals deal with hormones for the sex hormones, 
as well as the stress hormones. Fair to say? For the most part. The sex hormones, it's more of a, a backup. It produces small amounts. A backup. Uh, I mean, most of them the come testes, from over the yeah, testes, yes. Are producing most of those. So. But in menopause, women mm -hmm. don't make that much anymore, and they are depending more on the adrenals. Yep. So the more you wear out your adrenals in the early age, the more problems you have abuse it. You've abused some of these hormones and it's hard to, to get them back. So you need some support and that's when people go maybe on hormone replacement mm -hmm. therapy or something like that. The link you're trying to make, you're not trying to, you made, and I try to understand, is your adrenals have an outer layer called the cortex. The cortex makes cortisol and it makes some other hormones, I thought DHEA, you say aldosterone, and the uh, you're talking about progesterone, some testosterone, some estrogens, right? It converts into estrogen and testosterone, I know that. So we have the hormone production over there. So tell me again why all of a sudden these hormones are not working. What was it? Because you said fatigue, but it is stress. Explain that part again. So the aldosterone affects sodium and potassium balance and blood okay. pressure. We won't get too much into, into that for this one. But the stress or perceived stress will cause the body to crank out cortisol in high levels. Now, some cortisol through the day, which the normal pattern that should happen, sun comes up, the light starts hitting your, even though your eyes are closed, it'll affect your pineal gland in yeah. your brain, which is the master gland that's controlling all these. Uh, and it stimulates the, the body to, the, basically the adrenals, to release a big wave of cortisol to wake us up and get us through our day. Yeah. So we get a, what's called the adrenal stress index test is our cortisol curve through the day is what it's looking at. So we'll see a, or should see a rise first thing in the morning, and then it should be decreasing and be lowest at night around yeah. midnight. Mm -hmm. And then through the night, it should be low. Melatonin should be high. You know, as it gets dark, we start producing more melatonin. It makes us sleepy and we should get a good night's sleep. And then the sun comes up and the cycle repeats itself. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that can interfere with that process. Um, stress is one of them. You know, foods can be a part of it, inflammation, coffee, all these things can interfere with that normal functioning mm -hmm. of the, the adrenal production of cortisol. Yeah. So if we're, say, not eating enough or we're eating too much sugar and starches, you know, what happens when we, say, eat some carbohydrates or some sugar, we get a release of insulin, the body to bring those levels in the blood back to our set point, and then we produce a little too much and then glucagon tries to balance it out. And then if that continues to happen, cortisol will have to be released to help balance that blood sugar for the brain. Wow. Okay. Um, if we're starving, we're not eating enough, whether it be on purpose or, or just survival, survival, we're busy. We skip meals. What happens? Yeah. You know, we start producing more cortisol, then that affects our, our hormones. Or if we're just worried about stuff, you know, we're worried about, as we were talking about before, not pooping. Uh, or we're worried about getting you know, the kids to school on time. We're worried about that deadline. Or we're worried about what have you. Um, that's going to cause the the brain to release cortisol. You know, before we, we got on the air, you were talking about the brain being the coach and the body being the athlete. Well, the coach is, you know, saying that I need sugar so that I can keep running the team. And the cortisol will, will help keep, you know, sugar coming to the brain. Yeah. Um, and it'll help basically shift that energy, that ATP to be in that fight or flight, that survival mode. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to just be in survival mode in life. We want to be in thriving mode. So being able to get out of that and be, put yourself in that parasympathetic state is, is quite helpful. Mm -hmm. 
all these hormones affect each other. They're not yeah. independent. And that's what a lot of people and even doctors don't, don't pay attention to that. So we have in the, the base of your brain, there is a, a little gland, it's about the size of a pea, called the, the pituitary. There's two parts to it, anterior and posterior, if we're going to get technical. The anterior releases hormones that go to the thyroid, thyroid-stimulating hormone. It releases adrenal corticotrophic hormone that stimulates the adrenal glands to produce cortisol, and they're producing FSH and LH that goes to the ovaries and testes to produce right. their hormones. Right. And then if you think of the adrenals, and the thyroid and the, the reproductive glands as like almost like a triangle, they all are connected and affect each other. Their hormones affect the other glands' hormones as well in production of, of such. And then on above in the brain, above the, the pituitary, is another gland called the hypothalamus, and that's watching and controlling everything. It sends hormones to the pituitary to send hormones to the other glands, and then it's paying attention to those levels to make sure that things are happening and everything's working the way it's supposed to. Uh, one of our teachers in school, the, the, he had a great analogy. I loved it. Uh, when I taught high school, I, I used analogies all the time. I found it quite helpful for the kids, and it helps me still. Uh, so, you know, if the musicians playing their music, the symphony, those musicians are the adrenals, the ovaries, the thyroid. Then you have the, the conductor who's telling them what to do. That's the pituitary. Mm -hmm. And then you have the hypothalamus, which is the, the writer of okay. the music. Composer. The composer. Uh -huh. And then the, above that, there is the, the pineal gland, and oh. that's controlling all of our circadian rhythms, and that is the clock. Okay. That is mm -hmm. the tempo. That's I what's see. determining the beat and everything, yeah, of, yeah, of the whole yeah. thing. Mm. So they're all interconnected. So we tend to just, somebody has fatigue, we're going to focus on the adrenals, or we're going to focus on the thyroid, and we don't pay attention to the symphony. We don't pay attention to the composer, the conductor, uh, and all these other factors that could be, the problem could be upstream, could be downstream. It could be, you know, the hormones are getting produced the right amounts, but the tissue is so congested with waste that it's not getting to where it needs to be or having the effect that it needs. Yeah. And we need to look up upstream if, you know, the thyroid's not producing. Is it a fact, you know, that it's not able to keep up? Is it the fact the pineal gland isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing? You know, where, where is the, the kink in the chain? You know, the, when it comes to thyroid, the most common cause of hypothyroid, not enough thyroid hormone, is something called Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition where the immune system is producing antibodies that are attacking the thyroid that's keeping it from making enough thyroid hormone. Yet most medical doctors, they don't run TPO. They, they don't? They, TG and TPO? Yep. They, they definitely are going to run TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone. That's the hormone the brain sends to the thyroid yeah. to get the thyroid to work. Most will run a T4, free T4. I don't see and, many of them. Most well, of the ones I'm seeing are seeing free yeah. T4. And, and for, for those who don't know labs, free just means it's... I had a patient when I first started got upset with me when her results came back, and she said, I thought you said this was free. Uh, you charged me for it. I was like, well, the, the test isn't free. <laughs> free meant the, the hormone isn't bound to a protein. <laughs> yes. So the thyroid will release uh, T4 
And then basically, if you think of T4 is a, an I, uh, is a tyrosine amino acid with four iodines coming off of it, like legs on a chair. And then to get that's inactive, to get the thing to work, the body has to break one of those iodines, one of those legs off the chair, and that leaves three, so that's T3. And then the free part just means it's not bound to a, to a protein. So some doctors will do a, a TSH and a T4, but they don't look at the T3. Very rarely do I find a medical doctor that'll run a, a free T3. Yeah. And to see, is the body actually converting the T4 to T3? And, you know, selenium is needed for that process Correct. to happen. So, you know, just looking at all these steps to see, is the body doing what it's supposed to be doing? And you know, I started running the autoantibodies, the TPO and the TG, uh, the thyroid globulin antibody, I was finding that people are, their thyroid levels, all of the, the hormones were in the right levels, but I just really, all their symptoms indicated Hashimoto's and thyroid. And I was finding that they were, they weren't pathologic yet. Mm. So they had what we call an auto-inflammatory, not autoimmune, but they had auto-inflammatory, that there was this underlying inflammation, this underlying beginnings of an attack on their thyroid. If you think of it like a castle... The castle was under attack. Uh, the immune system was, you know, shooting arrows at the walls, and the walls hadn't fallen yet. The body was still functioning inside the walls, and we don't want to wait until the the, the walls fall and and the the castle's sacked before we do anything. So, yeah. you know, we want to look to see is this process building and gaining strength, and what are the things we can do to to mitigate it and 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 keep it from getting any worse, and ideally get better. And so looking at all these different factors, it can, you know, sometimes get a little overwhelming for patients when we start talking about all these different pieces and how they connect. And, yeah. and it's yeah. not just, you know, True. come in and take this. It's, and then with the immune system, there's so much of, of our mental state and our emotions and our stress levels mm-hmm. with all this factor in. We hear about stress, but it doesn't get talked about nearly enough for the impact it has on our health. Yeah. And I often see that again, from where I'm coming from, that people come in and think that they have a low thyroid. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the blood test that is being done, the reference ranges you can get on the blood test, in my opinion, are not accurate. So if you have a free T4 from the thyroid, the blood test may say 0.76 to 1.46 nanograms. I see newer research that says we should be more like between 1.5 and 1.8. And I I show people this and I say, I think that at 1.14, you are in the range that the medical doctor says, but you don't have the energy. And I do believe that you could bring that T4 up either with medication or with iodine or if there is, you know, uh, we have to figure out a way how to do that. But there's different ways to look at it. And the symptom, the reason why I bring up the thyroid, Dr. Lou, is because when you talk about fatigue, that is one of the biggest issues people have. They're tired, they have apathy, anxiety, depression, weight gain, insomnia, hair loss, and they feel, holy cow, I'm just not myself anymore. What's going on with me? And so... Many people look at the thyroid as an issue, but then they go to a doctor and the doctor says, well, you're in the normal range. So the thyroid is not the problem. And I said, no, the range is wrong. Like you talk about the bell curve that you get in the blood test. I simply think 
the bell curve is set wrong. And that's why so many people are being diagnosed as being totally normal, which now they're going to end up with an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication because those are the symptoms that they express. The disease is not correctly diagnosed. Then you look at the thyroid stimulating hormone that you made, that is made by the pituitary gland. That is for many people the test that is being done by the hospital or by the physician. The TSH is not even made by the thyroid, it's made by the pituitary gland. So why would that be the only test you do? You need to look at the thyroid as the gland. Then you look at the range of the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone, it's there to stimulate the thyroid. The range to give you on a blood test is something like 0.34 to 4.82. Well, that range, in my opinion, from what the research that I've read, is too high. I don't think you want to be over 2.0. So the way people can understand the TSH, folks, if you're listening to this and you say, what are you talking about? If you take a pencil between your, uh, your thumb and index finger horizontally, let's say the right side is your thyroid and the left side is your TSH. If the thyroid does not get enough nutrition and it becomes weak, you see the, the right side go down. When the right side goes down, the TSH on the other side goes up. So if you have a doctor who says, your TSH is normal between 0.34 and 4.82, look at the TSH on the left side and say, oh, that is between nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. That's the range that the, that the medical doctor gives me. But if you look at more newer research that says you don't want to have a TSH between 0.3 and 2.0, that pen only goes from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And so you don't want to be between 10 and 11 o'clock on the clock because you're in a range where you don't want to be at. And so again, when people have a TSH of 4.5, the medical doctor says, you don't have a problem with your thyroid. And again, they come and they have dry eyes and hair loss, like I said, and apathy. They have no energy whatsoever and they're gaining weight. It's a very frustrating place to be. And fatigue is a big issue of this thyroid. So the thyroid is definitely, to me, a gland that we need to look at when it comes to fatigue. But the way you explain it, Dr. Lou, the connection between south of the thyroid, which is your adrenals, and north of the thyroid, which is your pituitary gland and your hypothalamus, and your pineal gland, pineal gland, it's a very important connection. Without question, anybody who comes in for fatigue, thyroid is on the list that we have to look at and we need to make sure it's functioning properly. Couple issues with labs in general is the, the reference range is not set to physiologic normal. It's set to their population base. It's a statistical analysis of the range of the median range of their population that they're treating. So when you look at the normal ranges, their high end is is too high for what we consider normal function when it comes to TSH levels. And about every six months to a year, they readjust those levels some um, to fit who they're seeing. Well, think about who we're sending to the lab to run these tests. It's usually people who either we suspect or who have thyroid issues. So their, their TSH is going to be on the higher side to begin with. So that's going to push the, their normal, their quote unquote normal range to the high side. 
a lot of doctors, especially the, the medical model, and I'm not knocking it, but this is just what it is. You have eight to 10 minutes with your patient for the insurance model. And you, at least this is how my, my friends who are medical doctors have explained it. You go in, you listen to their symptoms, and you try to match which pharmaceutical goes with those symptoms to try to help them. So, you know, when they're looking at labs, and I, again, this is a gross stereotype, but in general, uh, doctors will look at labs and is it, they just scan down the, the row to see, is there anything, when you get a printout, it's in the normal range. And then if it's high or low, it'll indicate it's high or low. And they just scan the high and low columns to see, is there anything out of the normal range? And if not, they say you're fine. But to actually go through item by item and look at the actual number, how does it fit with the other numbers? Does it make sense? And if you're teetering on the edge of normal, say you're slightly on the high, their high side of normal at say 4.5 and and their abnormal TSH is 4.6, less and they have all the symptoms of hypothyroid, let's not wait till they go over that one tenth. Let's start working with it right now and, and address it not just looking at the, the quote-unquote normal ranges. And then with those normal ranges, because it's lab-specific, lab in Philadelphia might have different normal ranges than a lab in Bozeman, Montana, or in uh, Miami and Florida. Yeah, that's uh, so true. All those have to be have to be factored in. And, you know, we're, again, treating people, not treating diseases, I'm not treating labs. So if somebody's, they're on the lower side of normal as far as T4 and T3, and they're having all the symptoms that we associate with thyroid, then we're going to look at potentially doing something to intervene to, to help their thyroid out. The adrenals and the thyroid are often on a teeter-totter where one gets into trouble and then the other one tries to help out and then it gets into trouble also. And then I find when I'm working with somebody, we'll start with adrenals and then as they get a little bit stronger, you know, they're out, coming out of the basement, then the thyroid starts needing some help and we have to work with that. And then the, the adrenals show up again. So it, it um, is very much intertwined. And then, you know, we want to look at the raw ingredients. What does the thyroid need to make those hormones? Are they getting that in the food that they're eating? Are they absorbing it? There's herbs that can stimulate production of these things and balance what we call the HPT axis, the hypothalamus, pituitary, and thyroid, or the HPA with the adrenals to help balance that. For some folks, you know, either they're, they're that debilitated or, or they really need the, some sort of replacement of thyroid hormones. And whether that be a, a natural pig-based or cow-based thyroid like Armour or NP thyroid, or some people there's, you know, levothyroxine or synthroid, which is a synthetic version of it. And, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want people to get better and, and in a healthy way. So, you know, and I've found some people really respond well to the natural ones. Some people actually don't, and they actually do respond better to the, the synthetic. Medical doctors, when we get into tribalism, medical doctors really like the synthetic. Naturopaths usually like the, the pig base or the, the bovine based. But again, I just want what works for people. The T4, free T4 is measured in nanograms. The T3 is measured in picograms. I, my understanding is that one nanogram is 1,000 picograms. Is that right? Oh, man, it has been a while <laughs> since I taught the metric system. <laughs> uh, I would have to double check that to, to make sure, but I, I think that is correct. Yeah. So that, that's an important thing. I do want to ask you mentally um, in a debate about the synthroid versus the, the natural hormones. The synthroid, even though it is synthetic... I tell people 
you can talk about a pig gland or cow gland or calf gland thyroid and you get the T4 and T3 combined in those. I said, but how do you <laughs> show me how you can squeeze the pig to get the gland out? There is some kind of a synthetic process happening in order to extract it and then synthesize it and clean it up and put it in a tablet. So the source may be from an animal versus a synthetic source, but the end product is still some kind of a synthetically produced, uh, how many milligrams do I put in here and how many micrograms, whatever. So am I fair to say that or is that something that you are against? I, and I did like it when you just said, I don't have a dog in the fight. You say it's not about what I think is most important. It is what my patient needs. That's important. And I really like that statement. Very much in medicine, it seems we can get into a tribalism, us against them, our way is better than their mm -hmm. way. I have a lot of friends who are medical doctors. They're good people. They want to help people but feel the best. But the tools that they 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 were taught, they, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And all this stuff is tools, whether we're talking about Synthroid or Armor or Bugleweed or, or Iodine or Tyrosine, they're all tools. And we want to use the best tool for the job for that person. And if they really need the, the hammer and not the screwdriver, and that's what's going to work best for them, then that's what we're going to use. Because you know, just like the medical doctors, we just want to help people. We want to help people feel their best and have a good life. There is some processing that goes in into the, the armor, the MP thyroid, any of the, the natural stuff as well. And some people, you know, it has all the hormones from the thyroid would make. But some people, like I said, they do better with just one. There's also synthetic T3, Cytomel, and then there's a generic of that. That's the name brand. And some people need a combination when they do the synthetic. Some people do okay with just one. Some people need both of them. But again, whatever is going to work for people and what they need, you know, not everybody reads the textbook before they come in. They don't know how they're ideally supposed to work. So, you know, we're, we're treating the person and their physiology and what they need and whatever is going to be best. Now, being an naturopath, I tend to want to start with more natural things. Some people, they, they have an idea and I present options. If there's an option that I feel is the best one that were more medically necessary, then I will, I will emphasize that quite hard for people that this is where I really think we need to start. But if it's an each more gentle approach to it or a more aggressive approach, your options and, and some people, they have it in their mind before they come in, kind of what they, they're looking for and what they want. Some people are coming to an H path because they want to try to do other things before pharmaceuticals. And other people are just at the point, I just want whatever's going to make me feel the best, the fastest. So we have to factor that in. If somebody's so debilitated, they can't get out of bed in the morning, they can't function, and we need to be more aggressive, then that's what we do. So I don't know if that answers your question. Sometimes no, I answer them for me. And it does. <laughs> okay. It does. I, I think... Uh, uh, we don't have to expand on much more than that. I do believe that uh, your comment about um, I don't have a dog in the fight, we, we do what is rest, and you just explained that even better. I think that is the most important thing. You do say that you have medical doctors who are friends, and I get it, but you also mentioned you only have about 10 minutes with people. They don't have that long intake form that you do. They have very short time and just let you walk out with some kind of medication that may be successful or may have side effects. We don't know. It, that's not a, you know, they're not talking about side effects. I'm just talking about the success that we're looking for when it comes with hormones. I tell uh, customers that if they start working with hormones, 
do a baseline so we know where we're starting, we know what needs to be done or needs to be addressed. What I say with thyroid, my understanding, what I've learned over the years is that you go 30 days. Thyroid is very quick in responding. You go 30 days, you notice if the medication or the suggestions that you have made are working, but most doctors will have you come back in six months. And to me, that is too long for most people. They suffer, the, the numbers are not right. And because you go to a doctor, you put your faith in that physician that he or she knows exactly what your body is lacking and therefore needs. So they suffer for another four or five months before they can get back into the doctor. And I think that is where we need to make a change where we literally say, come back in 30 days and notice a difference. And I do know that my wife has gone through that specific process whereby every 30 days there was a big change one way or the other and you measure it till you get it right and then you can say we're going to go six months or a year. But until that point, there is not enough follow-up. And, and this is what I always feel with the naturopath. Even though you get very busy, I feel also with you, you want to be more like a, like a coach. You want to be there for the person. You want to say, hey, you let me know if you're not feeling well, we got to get you back in because... Like you say, it is about the patient. It's not about selling a supplement or selling a therapy or whatever. And I think that for most people who are tired, by the time they actually get to you, they've been suffering for a long time. Mm-hmm. Many people will not be open enough that they're just wiped out. Yeah. They, 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 they don't wake up one morning and say, I better see a doctor. I mean, yeah. by the time they get to that point, it's somebody else in their, in their circle of friends or family who said, you better go see somebody. Yeah, I mean, most people they have a couple of days they're not going to the doctor. It's it's been going on a while. They've tried other things. They've taken supplements. It's not getting better, or it got better and then it, it stopped working and it's gotten worse and it's to the point that they're that they're done. I made a conscious choice in you know how I went to school and why, which we can get into. And I had a doctor early on. He was asking me how long my new patient appointments were, and you know they're an hour, and you know how long are follow ups? Typically a half hour. Uh, and he said, how do you how do you make enough money? You'd seen, you know, so few people a day compared to, you know, the eight to 10 minute model. And I said, well, I have consciously chose to give people better care and, and make less money for that process. You know, the money's a, a secondary thing for me. It's I got into this because I, I, I had health issues that nobody could figure out. And at least in, in the medical model and, you know, finally went to a, a naturopath and things that I was told I'd have for the rest of my life got better. It wasn't overnight, took some time to figure out, took some time for my body to respond, but it changed my life. Um, and becoming an naturopathic doctor wasn't a, a choice. It wasn't a business decision. It was a calling. And it wasn't to say never take a pharmaceutical again, but there's that's not the only tool out there. There's other things that can be helpful that you might not need to take. You know, I, w- I had been in a couple bad car accidents and was in chronic pain the chiropractor, and, and I'm not picking on chiropractors, any profession has people who are really good at what they do, and some not so much. Uh, I was a teacher for a while, and so I saw that there as well. And this chiropractor was my first one ever going to, and he just adjusted me four times a week for two years until my insurance ran out. And then he said, you're as good as you're ever going to get, and and don't ever run or hike or anything like that again. Your body can't mm-hmm. handle it. And I went to my medical doctor. I was on pain meds and anti-inflammatories, which worked. But as soon as the script ran out, pain came right back. So I asked him, you know, what's, what do we, what's the long-term plan? And he said, this is it. You're, you're on these for the rest of your life and don't ever run again. Don't ever hike again. Your body just can't handle it. And I was only 28. 
And, you know, I'm a runner. That was a death sentence for me. And I love hiking and playing ball. So I started trying to go to every doctor, everybody I could find, acupuncturist, anybody who could help me. And nothing was working. I wasn't getting better. And then a, a friend recommended I see his naturopath. And I had no idea what that was. So I went. And as he explained, your, your body has the inherent wisdom that it wants to heal. You just have to give it what it needs. And mm -hmm. if there's something that's blocking it, we have to figure that out and remove it. And it, like I said, it took some time. It wasn't I went in and like that, I was 100% better. It, it took about a year and a half, but I was gradually getting better and we figured it out and I started running again. I started playing softball again. I started hiking again. You know, I've run marathons. I just did four big trail runs, 325Ks and a, and a 21 miler. And I don't have pain. I don't take anything. And, it, you know, it was that experience that, that led me to go to school in, in part in the first place. You know, you look at me now and you never know that I used to be 100 pounds heavier than I am now when I was younger. Uh, I was overweight. I was obese. I was sick all the time. And I all I did was started changing how much I ate, what I ate, and started exercising, things I hadn't done before. And I lost 100 pounds. My energy improved. I felt better. I wasn't sick all the time. And that was one of the things that we added. I was a, a vegetarian and a vegan, and I'm not necessarily knocking those. But for me, I wasn't getting enough protein. Yeah. And I couldn't heal from the, the physical injuries from that car accident. My ligaments were too lax. I couldn't hold adjustments. And that's why the chiropractor wasn't, it wasn't holding is because the nutritional component wasn't there. Interesting. And then I was under a lot of stress, which all that cortisol tends to break down ligaments as well. So the combination of all those things, you know, so I started, I wasn't at that point willing to give up being a vegetarian, but I was willing to eat more protein powders and things to get more protein. And that's when I started to heal. And then when I actually did start going back to eating uh, some, some animal protein is, and decrease some of the inflammatory foods that I was eating, that I thought were healthy, I actually started getting better. And a lot of these other things that I had developed since I was a vegetarian, you know, nail fungus and mood swings and other things that actually stabilized and, and got better as well. So for me in my body, and again, treating the person, you know, a vegetarian diet, even though I was really good about matching amino acids and protein, and it just wasn't enough for my body requirements and, and some of the foods that I didn't know I was sensitive to certain foods like dairy and, and, and uh, wheat, which... When I cut those out, that all, I was, had so much inflammation in my body, there was just no way it could heal. Yeah. Uh, so we had to, to identify those and, and cut those out. So my passion in, in, in life and going to school and ever since is I get up every day to, I just want to go to the office and help people and have them feel their best so that they can have a great life as well. So there's some people who unfortunately go to medical school because they want to make money. And they set up different protocols and things because it's about the money and they hope to help people after they make the money. And for me, I don't really care about the money. I want to just help people. So that kind of guides all yeah, my The money decisions. will take care of itself. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. I got bills to pay too, so I can't just give it away for free. But no. um, at the same point, you know, I'm, I'm not doing things just to try to make money from people. Mm -hmm. I just want people to feel their best and have a great life. Mm -hmm. I often notice that uh, when you take care of that, you, you find uh, blessings in many mm -hmm. other aspects, yep. such as your <clears throat> car not breaking mm -hmm. down. Or you you're falling down and not breaking anything that mm -hmm. costs you extra money and all that stuff. So there is, uh, or your kids are healthy, or there is uh, quite a few things that you can weigh and realize that doing it from the heart and doing the right thing will bring you fortitude in mm -hmm. other aspects. So yeah. pretty interesting. What a story. 
Great story. And and my why I'm interested in fatigue is one I see so many people in our in patients and just in general who just don't have the energy they want because we push ourselves so hard and we take on so much. But you know, when I was in school, you know, I'm I'm a go getter. I'm type A. I want to be the best doctor I can be, um, and I I really push myself hard. And and you know, I was studying a lot because I wanted to learn as much as I could. But it, it it actually I had had problems with insomnia when I was younger as well, and and I I had a heck of a a, a problem with insomnia where I would sleep if I was lucky one to two hours a night for about nine to ten months where that's all I would get, if that. Some, there was a lot of nights I didn't sleep at all, and then going to all my classes and clinics and studying and keeping you know, a high standard, I was getting honors in all my classes. And then that lack of sleep eventually led to intense fatigue and not enough energy, and then it started affecting my mood, where I was getting you know deep depression because I was sad all the time because I just didn't have the energy. And it got to the point that I actually started even questioning, is it even worth going through life like this? Is it you know just better to just end it and be done then have to suffer through this because I can't imagine doing another 50, 60 years like this. Um, And it wasn't until I started seeing uh, uh, some practitioners that, you know, they stopped focusing because I had taken every natural supplement for sleep you could think of and nothing was helping. I was, and then I was, it took so much, but then I actually started taking pharmaceuticals to see if that could get me to sleep and those weren't working either. And it wasn't until I, we stopped focusing on what I was taking and started looking at how I was looking at things and how I was thinking about things that flipped a light switch for me that then I started sleeping like a baby. Um, oh, and once I started sleeping again, my energy came back and my mood improved. And, and you know, I, I now have that's been a, a huge part of not just my practice, but my life is the mental patterns and, and your focus and that can suck your energy away like nothing else. Wow. Um, so one, you got to be sleeping, you know, that's what your body is restoring and rebuilding when you're sleeping. So if you're not getting enough sleep or not getting good sleep, that can have a tremendous impact on, on your energy levels. But then your, your mental state and what you focus on and the meaning you give things, as you were saying, when we tend to focus on all the things that we don't have and all the things that aren't going well in our life, and we miss all the blessings that we have in our life and all the things that we, the bounty that we already do have. Yeah. And that has a huge impact in, in energy and, and just quality of life in general when you can make that switch. And as human beings, our nervous system is hardwired to look for what's wrong in everything. It's a survival instinct, a survival mechanism. That's our factory setting. And just like a muscle, though, we can reprogram that. We can retrain it. So when we look at what we're missing or what's wrong with this, we can then think, well, what else could this mean? You know, is this really that big of a, a... uh, an obstacle or a challenge or or a catastrophe, you know, the word we use to describe it has a big impact as well. Is this actually the worst thing? I don't know about you, but there's been so many things that have happened in my life, car accident or a breakup or something that seemed like, man, this is just the worst thing ever. And then years later, it actually was the biggest blessing that I ever had. Mm. You know, I had those two bad car accidents and man, I was in so much pain and my life was so miserable. But had I not gone through that experience, you know, I I think about all the people I wouldn't have helped. I'm actually tearing up thinking about it. All the people I wouldn't have helped had I not suffered through those car accidents and, and the experience of, of the insomnia and all that, you know, again, that 
that influenced how I see people and help people and, and all the things I learned going through that process, even though it was miserable at the time, it was one of the biggest blessings in my life. So sometimes we, we, we tend to forget those things. And when we're going through it, it's actually not the biggest, the biggest challenge or this curse or this whatever. It's actually this biggest opportunity. This is a door opening thing. And on a daily basis, you know, every morning I start by thinking of three things that I can appreciate and can be grateful for. And that can be the fact that, I, you know, I have a house or my dog or that it's a warm, sunny day or, you know, that, that line drive that I caught that one time in Little League, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world or, you know, your wedding day or your kids being born. It can be something simple right. like that, that nice cup of tea that you had. But mm -hmm. just feeling that gratitude, just training your nervous system to start looking at the positives. And my parents, my dad especially, is really pessimistic. So my programming oh. from a kid is is the negative looking at everything that can go wrong uh, on top of my factory setting. So I have to work a little extra hard every day to when things happen, you know, my first instinct is the, the bad thing or what, what's wrong with this as opposed right. to, and then I they think, okay, right. I stop and I, well, what else could this mean? Okay, well, what else could that mean? No matter what happens in life, we pick something to focus on mm -hmm. and then we give that thing a meaning and that meaning then determines our, and the language we use to describe it affects our emotions and the quality of our life and the um, things that we feel. So we have complete control over that. So the things that are, are happening in our life, we can decide what that means. Your significant other didn't take the trash out. We get all mad that, you know, they're not doing, they don't care. It's like, okay, well, why didn't they take the trash out? What else could this mean? Well, he was working on fixing the the thing in the house or she was worked extra hours uh, so we'd have money for the vacation. We lose sight of those things and we mm -hmm. can if we change what we look at and that then affects our mood and our energy and our stress. So that is one of the biggest plugs you can put in when you're losing energy is to think of the things you're grateful for. Yeah. Look at what else these things could mean and what we're focusing on. And then the words we're using to describe them as well will have a huge impact. You know, if you go with, you know, I, I am on the war path. I am so mad at this or eh, I'm a little peeved. It's, that's a huge difference in, in the emotion that, that those words create. You bet. And we tend to really overemphasize the negatives with our language and we underestimate or we undersell the positives. You know, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm good. Like, no, man, I am awesome. I am stupendous. I am fantastic. I am phenomenal. Um, so to just use bigger positive words, and it's not positive thinking, it's just counting your blessings and realizing it's not as bad as, as most of us think. Um, you know, yeah. we, we have a lot of blessings in our life. Yeah. And we just have to look for them. And that's all it takes is training our brain to look for those things. I think indeed, the way you explain all this, there is a, there is a misunderstanding about what a doctor is. And we, we have put doctors on, on pedestals as they're infallible. And that's why they're doctors. Yeah. But we're all people, right? Yeah. We all, it is just that you decided you were inspired by it and got the training in order to help mm. other people. And yeah. I notice that indeed when you connect with people and mm. you ask them what they're doing. And I, like you say, we're asking people, how are you doing? But because I want to understand. How are you feeling? But mm -hmm. you get these standard answers. Yeah. And it always takes a little bit more of a conversation yeah. than just a quick statement. And when you ask somebody, uh, what are you doing? Then it seems to some people that only you identify the person by the job that they hold. Mm -hmm. We want to know what somebody's doing because mm -hmm. it may explain a little bit when they're telling how they're doing. Yeah. 
why they may be under a lot of stress yeah. or why they have fatigue or why they mm -hmm. feel so good about themselves, yeah. uh, the positives and the negatives, yeah. uh, the communication with people. And I, I get a feeling that you, not only with your intake that is so extensive, but it gives you a little bit of, it lifts up the veil of who the person is, who you're going to sit across from. Because everybody has a story to tell, and this mm. was an amazing story that you just told me, and it is not even to give me the details. You mm. just tell in big lines here. But you you read the intake form for your patients, and you get a little bit of an idea what's going on. Like you said in the very beginning, not everybody is a cookie-cutter uh, system. We just need to focus on who is the person across from us and what is the person telling us. And what is the body asking us? And what is the mind trying to explain to us? And what's how is the heart communicating that way? So it's, it's a very, very interesting thing. Without question. And I'll probably get kicked out of the doctor's club for this, but there's a reason why we call it a medical practice mm -hmm. and why we call them patients. That's right. We, we are doing our best. We, you know, we humans, we don't know everything there is to know. We, it's, I always think of it like a bookcase and an airplane hanger that goes on in both directions infinitely. We're always adding to that bookcase, but we don't know everything, and we're doing the best we can trying to figure it out, and there's usually lots of layers. People have been accumulating things and, and hiding things and unpacking things. It takes time. To figure it out, it takes time to you know give the body what it needs and for it to do what it needs. And then some people are just more complex and complicated in, in what's going on. And some people will come in for back pain, and and at the end they're going through a box of tissues, crying that they, you know tell me about things that happened when they were younger and what's going on in their life now. And they'll apologize. Sorry, I didn't come in to tell you all this. I was like, no, this is exactly why you came in. Mm -hmm. You know, this is really what you needed. You know, I'll help you with your back pain, but this is really why mm -hmm. you're here. And yeah, there you go. That that yeah. back pain is holding on to the pain, yeah. right? And and I've you know, I joke with them that I I buy tissues at Costco for just as such of an occasion because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tears end up in getting shed. And at the end of the day, you know, they're they're not a a, a back pain or a thyroid. They're a person, and you know, they're you're right. They're absolutely right. And, and just sitting with them and holding space for them and listening, trying to piece it together and, and, and help them have their body function and feel good and, and have a great life is, is the ultimate goal. And I want to circle back a little bit, you know, with the focus and the meaning. It's not just telling yourself positive things and ignoring the negatives. That's, that's you know, my friend's daughter, for instance, uh, is into volleyball and she was really hard on herself as she was learning. And as you're getting better at anything, you have to be able to objectively look at mistakes and shortcomings and things you don't have and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but most of us that's all we focus on and we beat the heck out of ourselves or we don't pay attention to all the other stuff that we have so you know you can look at something that happens um, or something that you did and evaluate it but then also look at okay what are some good things that i did that i want to keep doing mm -hmm. so for her you know, what were the things in the match that you did well that you want to keep doing well, not just things you want to improve on? You know, something happens in our life. It's not just, you know, okay, I was diagnosed with, you know, this autoimmune disease. You know, everything's perfect. Everything's fine. It's great. It's like, no, this is going to be a challenge. This is not necessarily going to be easy to deal with, but it, it's not necessarily the the end of things or it's not a curse or it's not a, a necessarily a tragedy or the same with, you know, say getting fired or the car breaking down or an accident or whatever it happens to be, it's, you know, okay, I'm going to look at this 
a certain way. And that's up to me how I'm going to look at this. Is this the the biggest challenge in my life or is it the greatest opportunity? Is this a chance for me to rise up and, and to shine and to learn something? You know, the only failure in, in life is when you when you give up. Every time you, you reach to try to accomplish something and you don't reach it, it's actually, if you learn from it, it's actually a success. And it's the same with these sort of things that happen. We mentally decide what to look at and what it means. And we have complete control over that. And that has a huge impact. And I cannot stress this enough on people's energy and on their mood in their life. Because if you're constantly looking at, at what's wrong and what you don't have, you're just, it's going to affect your mood and it's going to affect where your energy is going. And if you're focused on all the blessings that you already do have and the abundance that you already do have, and that even this thing that seems initially terrible is actually a great opportunity or something that's going to make me stronger, it's going to teach me something that I can then help other people with, whatever it happens to be, that then becomes a driver of energy. It's invigorating. A couple of analogies. One, you know, I have um, my cousin loves to surf. For him, he is on a surfboard, he is one with God and the universe and it's this Zen experience. I'm on a surfboard next to him and I hear the Jaws theme song. I, I see the strike from below. I see the leg coming <laughs> off. I see the blood spurting. Uh, even though we're doing the same thing right next to each other, we're having two totally different experiences based on what we're focused on and the meaning that we're giving it. Mm -hmm. So I'm in complete fight or flight stress mode, cortisol levels going through the roof and he's in blissed out parasympathetic rest, digest, and heal state because mm -hmm. he is calm and relaxed and in, you know, in this great spot. Mm -hmm. Even though we're in the same place doing the same exact thing based on what we're focused on and the meaning we chose to give to it, it's, it's a completely, it has a huge impact on and every aspect of our life. And that's happening every day, every moment, no matter what is going on, we choose what to focus on and the meaning that we want to give to it. So for me, it didn't happen overnight that I just automatically was able to look at things in a, in a different way. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like mm -hmm. I teach sometimes, well, I used to teach salsa dancing, learning a new maneuver or, or turn or sequence. At first, it, you know, I really have to think hard about, okay, where, where's my right foot go? Where's my left foot go? But the more you do it, it just becomes easy and fluid. It's, it's muscle memory. It's the same with mental memory. It's just you start doing that more often, it becomes a lot easier to count your, your blessings and to look at what you're grateful for and to see this thing not as, as some horrible thing or terrible thing or something that's ruining my life or that he's not doing this or she's not doing that. And if she really loved me or he really loved me, he'd be doing this. But being able to look at it from a, a different lens, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and that, not just for me, but for when I can get patience to do that. And the longer that I'm in, in practice, it becomes less about what you're taking and more about what you're doing and how you're, you're using your mind and looking at things and stress. Uh, I would say, you know, stress, which is self-inflicted for the most part, it's what we choose to focus on and the meaning we give to it will then create stress that has such a huge impact and feeling that, that nothing is going right will have a giant depletion of your energy and your life force and the quality of your life. Right. So being able to wrestle with that beast, as it were, and to tame it, to be able to look at it from a different way and approach it from a different way will actually be invigorating and improve mood and quality of life for people. 
I hope that articulated well and it made sense explaining it, but just I find that such a huge impact on people's energy and, and mood and quality of life is when they change that that mental programming and that pattern. And that's all it is, is a pattern. And we just need to create a new pattern. Wow. It's, uh, that's incredible. I think this is a amazing segment of this podcast because as I'm listening to you, I there was a few moments where I'm thinking, how do we get back to the fatigue? And I realized that the core of the message here is how much of what is going on inside our body, inside our mind, inside our cells is a reflection of an energy that we have taken on and think it is our own. And therefore, we, we are changing. There is something going on inside us that is changing us, but it is really not natural for us. We have taken it on. It's not natural. And so the oil that is not oiling the system, it's literally messing up the system, and it comes out through symptoms of which fatigue is one of the worst because we realize we're getting behind the eight ball and we're trying to get back. We're trying to get back on a normal path and we can't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we, we, we've gotten, we started to get addicted to all these different things that we thought will get us back to energy and we don't. And then you add to it today. And I think these days with the social media and the peer pressure, the, the the hierarchy is gone. Uh, so many people just look for approval within their own age level, within their own peers, amongst their peers. They want to be approved. That it that zaps you of energy if you think that the approval is coming from the outside and not from the inside. And th- there is a there is a long time ago I did a radio show about Hold On to Your Kids by Dr. Gordon Neufeld. And he wrote a book. He's a Canadian psychologist or psychiatrist. And Dr. Neufeld was talking about the hierarchy that you have in a family and that the children really look up to the parents to guide them and give them them counsel and provide. And there comes a point when all of a sudden they start to have this rebelling against the parents and now they're looking for their peers. You actually are looking at a horizontal line where you start to get approval from your peers. And your peers have no unconditional love for you. You have to perform and do what they expect from you. And they will still never, ever love you. And I think for a lot of people, we're just looking for acceptance. We're looking for love. We're looking for inner love. Do I love myself? And if you don't have that, you are constantly climbing uphill. And that is where tremendous drainage of energy takes place. And I I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. But this is something that I picked up out of part of a conversation Mm. that you just shared with me. If we go back to the family budget... And ATP, we only have so much to be able to spend. So where are we spending it? If we're spending so much of our mental energy, because the brain uses so much energy with thought processing and dealing with stress and managing, if we're spending 
allotted amount, our energy on worrying about this problem that might not really be a problem at all, or worried about how many likes we have, or what should I post that makes me look perfect, or the the lighting isn't quite right in this selfie, or whatever it happens to be, that's then energy we don't have for other things in our life for enjoyment. You know, the old adage that it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. It's the same Hmm. thing when it comes to energy. It takes way more energy to be worried about a problem, to be stressed about something, to be angry or upset with something than to feel blessed, to feel that you have things to appreciate in your life. They're, They're there. You just have to look for them and choose to see them. And social media, you know, even though it's social, it's really anti-social media. It really causes us to feel more and more isolated. When I talk with teens, I constantly am reminding them that social media is the greatest hits. It is not an accurate portrayal of people's lives. They're not posting the tough stuff for the most part. They're not posting the things that aren't going well or that they're struggling with or that they're working on or that didn't go the way that they wanted. We have these expectations. We need to start trading. I think Tony Robbins said this. We need to trade our our expectations for appreciation. You know, we have these ideas of how things are supposed to go and how people are supposed to act. And then we get upset when they don't. And then that saps our energy as well. And, you know, loneliness is going up and up in this country. You know, the pandemic certainly didn't help with that, but social media doesn't help with that either. We we were talking uh, earlier when I first got here about Rosetto, Pennsylvania. So Rosetto, Pennsylvania is is where my great-grandfather and great-grandmother, they helped found the town. So these people came over from, from Rosetto, Italy, the first wave came in, in 1882, yeah. and then 1883 is when my grandparents came. And they built this town in Pennsylvania in the mountains, and they, they worked in a slate quarry. And, uh, in the so what? In a slate quarry. Slate? Slate, so it's a, like a layered rock. Oh, yeah, okay. And, you know, in Italy, they, they, they uh, worked in a marble quarry, they, so they just switched one rock for another. But <laughs> they, they essentially, some, some you know, medical doctors in, in the 50s, uh, they started realizing that people in Rosetto, Pennsylvania, they, they weren't dying of heart attacks, and they weren't dying of other stuff. They were dying of old age. And they became fascinated with this. You know, people under the age of 60 had a 50% less heart attacks than the rest of the country, and 35% less of all other causes of death from illnesses and whatnot. And they didn't have a lot of the social issues, drinking and drugs and crime that, that other towns had. And they, they thought, well, it must be something in the area. So they started looking at the mm-hmm. other towns and mm-hmm. who had the same access, the same, shared the same doctors and hospitals and whatnot. And they, nope, the other towns had the same statistics as the rest of the country. So then they looked at, well, it must be something genetic, something these people from Italy brought over with them. So they started looking, you know, other people from Rosetto who lived in other countries or other other parts of the country to see if they also had the same longevity and lack of heart disease and other things. And they had all the same stuff that the rest of America had. Right. So they thought it must be something in the food. They must have brought something over dietarily wise that they're eating. It's that, in the olive oil. Yeah, it's in the oil that they're. <laughs> and sure enough, no, these these people were using lard and lots of saturated fat and sugar and. And they smoked and they drank, a lot of them were overweight. And what they ultimately came up with, what the, the secret of Rosetto, the Rosetto effect was, is that they had a very close-knit social community, that they had three generations living in the same house, 
that people stopped on the street to talk to each other. They'd bring them in and, you know, have some food together. There, they had a lot of social groups mm-hmm. that it was the social fabric of that town that had such a giant impact on their health yeah. and not to dismiss diet and exercise. Cause you know, that's a lot of what I help people with, but there's other factors besides what we eat and exercise that affect our health. And for what it's worth, my grandmother left Rosetto and went to Philadelphia and had four boys and, and three of those boys had heart attacks. So, oh. so, so they didn't have that, that close social fabric and, and network. And so it, it isn't necessarily just genetics or other things. So I actually was blessed enough that recently I, with my sister, we went over to Italy and saw the old, the old town Rosetto Valvatore wow. in, wow. in Italy and, and got to see, uh, you know, I've been to both towns now. So that, that was exciting. Was there actually still family left? Uh, so we, my Italian was not good enough to, and they didn't speak much English there. The, we found out that, that there is still some people with the same last name as our great-grandparents, but we weren't able to find them while we were there. And if they didn't speak English, it was going to be a real short conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See any likenesses in the in the features? Um, not not so much. I mean, they've been watered down a little bit with other other genes. The Irish, especially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, my great grandfather, he lived to be ninety seven. Yeah. And he worked in the slate quarry until he was ninety one. So he was hauling rock till he was in his nineties. So he, you know, he was part of that group that just died of old age. Yeah. So the, the, you know, the take home when it comes to energy with this is, is, you know, so many people, and I'm sure you see this too, they just want to take something, whether it be natural or otherwise to make their things go away. And it's, it's the life that we build and the people we spend time with, the things that we do, that is just as important, if not more so than what supplements we're taking or, you know, necessarily what we're eating or, or whatnot. So all these other elements that affect our energy and in turn affect the life that we're able to have as far as are we doing our, our American society tends to be individualistic that we do everything by ourselves and as opposed to often at least a lot of the countries I visited in Europe that tends to be more community based and family based and and not you know they spend time together at mealtime like in certain parts of Italy you know lunch is a big thing that they go home from work and they create this big lunch and they have this big family time at lunchtime and they go for a walk and Siesta. Yes, yeah, siesta and other kind of, yeah. So it's not it's not just about how fast can I eat this and get it down so I can get back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just about how much money I make or how much stuff do I have that you can't take with you anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's not how long you live so much as the what you do with the life you have. And we didn't choose to be in this life to see how many things we can own and how much money we can make uh, yeah. and whatnot for the most part. It's mm-hmm. it's the experiences that we have, the the relationships that we have. You know, I used to travel by myself all the time and, and now I'm more better about inviting people I care about to have these experiences with me. Mm. Um, so when people are listening to this and thinking about their energy, yes, look at thyroid. Yes, look at adrenals. Yes, you know, think about the food that you're eating and, you know, water that you're drinking and getting rid of waste, but also think about what is your tendencies when something happens? Do you tend to look on the pessimistic side or are you looking at things in a different way? What are the words you're using to describe it? Are you using real dramatic for the negative? And unless are you, do you have a good social community and people you're spending time with? Are you 
you know, managing your stress, you know, what are the, these sort of things are all huge when it comes to energy. And these are simple things that, that people can do with practice to really, and these are the things working with people to get them. These are the sustaining that are, you know, building energy for people on a daily basis. How do you start your, somebody's day? You know, are you, you already coming out worried about all the things you have to get yeah, done yeah, or yeah. are you taking some time for yourself to just calm yeah. center Set your intention for the day. Think about some things that you feel grateful for. It's priming your nervous system for the experiences that you want to have. Mm -hmm. So, and it's just a matter of being able to be clear on that as far as how you're going to choose. And that's the important thing. How are you going to choose to be, go through this day? Right. What are you going to choose to focus on? And it's all up to you to decide how you want to go through that. And it's easy to blame somebody else for what's going on, but you're making some choices on how you're going to see this and what you're, how you're going to react to it. And that can build your energy up or it can suck it away. It is a tough one. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we are much more reactionary mm -hmm. to what other people are saying or doing instead of taking action ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like you say, if something negative happens, what do we do with it? How do we react to that because we cannot change anybody else. We can only work on ourselves and uh, we, we keep learning till the day we die. Yep. And if we don't look at it that way and we think we got it all figured out, then there is where one of the big problems comes in. That, that means we usually don't know when to just be quiet and listen, not just to ourselves, but also to others. And that we become reactionary and think that we have to win every debate. Yep. Because we're also trying to beat ourselves in the debate. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to, to win. And that's, that's part of it that's as well. That's part it's, of the American culture. Yeah. So it's, we're, we're always looking to, to be the right. And is it about being right or is it about understanding this person and, and if it's a relationship thing or what's the, the lesson in this for me or, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm sort of Zen Buddhist that nothing ever phases me, man. I can get angry and lose my shit like anybody else, but yeah. I, I, I catch myself. I don't get stuck there. I give myself two minutes and then, okay, how else could I look at this? Is this really that big a deal? Was it biggest, like the biggest problem? You know, can I find some kind of humor in this or something that can grow? And I also will think about, okay, I'm really pissed right now about this in 10 years. Am I going to care? Am I going to remember this in 10 years? Is he really going to have that big of an impact in my life? You know, my, my, um, my washing machine, you know, I called a guy out to fix it. It was filling up with water, spent all the money, you know, for the part and the thing. And it was like 35 days later, it started doing the same thing again. So I called him up and I'm um, sent him back out. I was like, well, you got to pay this service fee again. Like, Are you kidding me with that? Bucks. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you didn't do it right the first time. Why? The part didn't even work. And I was like, okay. They just like, want you to buy a new one. Yeah. I was like, I could have just bought a new one for the part and the labor. I know. And then, you know, okay, it's... It's not the end of the world. In, in 20 years, if I'm sitting in my rocking chair talking to my grandkids, you know, is this changing the trajectory of my life? It's, I know, but some a, things are it's, just it's wrong. An, it's, it's annoying. And it's and, okay. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So it, again, how do we choose? Is, are we going to let go of that? Is it really having that big of an impact on my life? Is it worth holding on to and the, the resentment and the bitter, bitterness and, and the energy that it's going to take to hold that energy and that feeling as opposed to, okay, take a breath. You know, yeah. it's, I still have a washing machine. 
I can buy a new one if I need to. If I have to, you know, there was a time where I was doing laundry in the tub by hand and I would hang them up to dry. You know, this, I'm still in a pretty good place. Yeah. So I'm not going down to the river and, you know, having to worry about a... The old Ganges. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about a, about a, a giant python or anaconda yeah. coming out of the water and grabbing me when I'm doing my, my socks on the stones. <laughs> so I think I'm, uh, all things considered, well, I'm you're doing pretty well. socks, yeah. the python is coming up yeah, to yeah. get a breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I do believe... That there are situations where we are building up energy and trying to control it so that we we have some setbacks and we're trying to keep it together. And all of a sudden, it, it's just you cannot hold it back inside. You just have to express it. And it's an energy that has to come out, like you say. Oh. And... I think that's okay too. I think that's important too. I know too many people who bottle stuff up too much and they just will not, they will not accept the consequences mm. for that as well. You cannot all be Pollyanna the whole time. It is going to, whether you let it out in, in some sort of physical or verbal way or whether it shows up as a tumor, it is going to come out eventually. So especially uh, in America, we tend to hold things in and yeah. and not react. You know, I saw this news story of this grocery store. You know, the clerks went in in the morning and somehow this deer had gotten had gotten in and you know they came around the corner and the deer freaked out. It's running all over the place and kicking things and all. and then you know they let open the door and it ran out and and that was fine. And the video of the you know, so the deer had a, in a visceral response. It had a fight or flight. I got to get out of here. This isn't safe anymore. And it ran and then it was fine. And it let it out and it was done. It was over. You know, he's not staying awake at night, sleep, thinking, oh, those clerks going to get me. Yeah. But the clerk just stood there. Didn't react in any way. Just completely just stared, frozen, didn't express anything, just in. And so many of our emotions and whatnot are things that we don't express in some way in a healthy way, we, we bottle that stuff up, you know, we, we hold it in and then that affects our physiology, mm. our, our thoughts that we have and the emotions that we have affect our physiology. It affects our body. Yes. It affects how things work mm. and it can cause things to not work properly and lead to disease, dis-ease, which is the, the root of the word, mm -hmm. uh, no longer being at ease. It's not some foreign thing. It's an internal imbalance yeah. that we we didn't express. Like you mentioned before, that back pain, a lot of emotional stuff can get held in, you know, I call it issues in the tissues. It just then shows up in the tissues as opposed to it's an emotional thing, a mental thing that is now showing a physical form. So, you know, having some outlet for that, whether it be, I'm not telling there's one way to do it. Um, it depends on your personality, whether it be, you know, some sort of meditation or prayer or exercise or group or, you know, journaling or whatever it happens to be, that that stuff needs to come out. Yeah. So, you know, I have patients, you know, they're clearly trying to hold back crying in the office and I'll tell them, don't let me get in the way of this, you know, do whatever, you know, let that out. That needs to come out. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you got to hold that emotion in. And it's okay. And I'll even sometimes, and some people are more receptive to it than others, but I'll say, I know this is might be a strange thing to hear from your doctor, but I am a trained and licensed healthcare practitioner. Would you like a hug? Uh, and just give them a, a hug to let them know it's okay. 
to, yeah. it's fine. And some people aren't comfortable with that. And I don't, I don't, I don't force it on them, but if they feel like, you know, what, I just want to feel connected to another person right now, it's okay to give somebody a hug. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, that's part of the treatment as well. If, if it's needed. Those emotions being able to to express it. You're right. Some some things build and have to get released and have to be expressed. And again, it's not just um, you know standing and everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. And when it's not fine, it's just. But you know, is it a catastrophe? Is it the worst thing? You know, can I vent this and move on and be done with it? Can I learn from it? Get what I needed. What did I do well? What did I not do well? What can I improve upon? And be able to move forward. It is one of the things that really fit in this whole topic of fatigue because we are living in a, in, in, in a time where the demands of the cell phones, the emails, the phone calls in general, the work situation, the travels, the families, the different schools, the frustration with politics, with the education system that some people have, illness within the family whereby Two parents are working, one parent have to stay home, you name it. It is a buildup of different energies, I feel, internally that are so exhausting for many people because we simply, most people are just not trained in understanding this. Not everybody is cut out to be a parent. It's just the way it is. Not everybody is cut out to be a good professional. You think you may want to find a job that you want to do, but you're not really not happy. But this is what you've trained for. So you, you think, well, this is what I need to do. So the stressors that we build up in general from just daily living, trying to go do your grocery shopping and five of the items on your list are not there. For some people, that is a very, that's a waste of time. That was a waste mm-hmm. of time. Could have done something else. Should have gone to the other store. Mm-hmm. There's all this constantly thinking. And I feel that is a disorder of the modern times, whereby everything has to snap and work immediately. We have no time to make mistakes. We have no time to spend time with people and enjoy ourselves. We, we, we have no time to, to waste And if you don't have time to waste, then all your time has to be filled with something. And that's exhausting. Yes, it is so exhausting having to the schedule that people keep between staring at their phones, watching Netflix, YouTube videos, going to the store to get this, making sure the kids get to here to this camp and that practice yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah. trying to get stuff done for social groups and, and church and, and, you know, making sure the house is clean and yeah. making sure your, your significant other it's is impossible. It, it's, it's, I, I tell you right now, it's impossible. It, so that, again, when we talk about energy as a family budget that you've already spent, you're now in the government range where you are running a huge deficit. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it just can't be done. So being able to streamline and, and, you know, I see this with moms a lot where, you know, first, one of the first things they cut is sleep. Okay. I just, there's just not enough hours in a day. I'll just get less sleep. I'll just, I got to get things done. So I'll stay up later. I'll get up early. And then that starts the spiral of losing energy and then the stress of worrying about any, everything. And then people often start drinking more coffee. I just need more. I need that afternoon coffee. Okay. Now I need that second afternoon coffee to, to get through the day. 
but then caffeine stays in your system. It's got a half-life of 12 hours. So then that then affects the quality of your sleep. So then even though you go to sleep, you don't sleep as well. And then your energy doesn't get replenished as much. And it just continues and continues. And then you get tired and like, I just don't feel like cooking a nice nutritious meal. I'm just going to eat this thing that's quick. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it spirals even more. And then I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to have fun and play and, and do the things that I like. And all these things just... And this is that multifactorial thing. It just adds into it. And then one topic we didn't talk about is, you know, some of those quick foods, not only do they not provide good fuel, they also are inflammatory. Mm. They cause inflammation in the body. Inflammation causes tissue damage. Now the body's dealing with that. Then there's, there's these protein signals that immune cells will produce. They'll release. They're called cytokines. Some cytokines will make us sleepy and tired. So you know, the reason why you get a cold or a flu or a COVID and you get real sleepy is because your your body, your immune system saying is, hey, you, all the stuff you normally do, we don't have the energy for that. We need to fight this thing. You need to just sit and be still and sleep so we can fight this thing. And it does happen with infections, but those cytokines, if we uh, have a lot of inflammation, whether it be from stress or whether it be from foods that we're eating or environmental exposures, those signals still make can make us sleepy as well. So that inflammation can have a huge impact on our energy. And then if we have we're eating foods that are causing inflammation in the gut, that can spill over and cause inflammation in the brain. And then we're not absorbing our nutrients well. And again, the spiral just keeps going. And then you know we get stressed, uh, and we we produce less stomach acid, and we shut our digestive system down. So now we're not able to break it down as well. We're not absorbing those nutrients, even if we're eating not great food. We're not even getting those nutrients. And then the bacteria it changes what grows in our gut, and then those start producing things that can make us tired and having more toxins in our system that we have to detox from. So it it just all compounds and and adds to itself and becomes an, an algorithmic or logarithmic increase in in the effect of feeling exhausted and fatigued. And then we get you know worried, why don't I feel more? We have expectations or they didn't do this or this happened. And you, you're just at your limit. You feel like you can't take on anything else. And then I've had patients do this where they feel exhausted. They go to their medical doctor and, and they say, well, your thyroid levels are fine. How about I just give you an antidepressant? You just, mm -hmm. you're sad. Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, you're sad, but you're sad because you don't have the energy to get through your day or to feel like, man, I don't even feel like I can do the laundry today. I don't feel like I can even get through the end of the day, let alone go play and have fun or do something that I like. Uh, we just like planting, you know, a, a garden that's been overtaken by weeds. You know, we got to start somewhere and start getting rid of some of those weeds and, and then start planting some things so it can grow. And that's the, the part of the process that I walk people through is, okay, where do we need to start to get you some energy that we can get you moving in the right direction? And being able to look at something and see what's going to, again, going back to the, the acupuncture, you know, the greatest impact with the fewest needles, what's going to have the biggest bang for our buck here that's easy for you to do, that'll get enough energy to get the ball rolling that we can add to this get you feeling a little bit better and then deal with the things that led to it in the first place so you have the energy to feel like you can handle it because you know i don't know about you but if i'm feeling exhausted and a bear comes up i don't know that i'm fighting that hard on that bear so it's the same with you know other problems uh, if we don't feel like we have the energy we've gotten ourselves into a hole we've got to be able to get out of that and then long term we don't want to just keep falling back in the hole and we don't want to get stuck in the sick care model that you only go to the doctor when you feel terrible and that they only come in when they feel exhausted. But we want to keep you feeling your best, keep you, you know, get you healthy, keep you there. 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's a, a different th- way of working that some people are, are starting to come around to. You ask a child, spell the word love for me, L-O-V-E, right? The child will say T-I-M-E. They want to have time. They want to have time with you because they look up to you and you are the beacon. You're the beacon of hope. Sometimes, well, sometimes, I just this whole conversation, it reminds me of the mind of a child. And I think we have lost understanding the mind of a child, not just for T-I-M-E, but also for being uncomplicated. You see what it is. You don't overthink it. This is the emotion I have. This is wonderful. I'm happy. I'm creative. I'm colorful. The food will come. The mind of a child is infinite. The mind of an adult is very limited. And I think when we become limited because of all the pressure we feel that we have given to ourselves, right? Let's face it. We give so much pressure. We've made decisions in life. We have to live with the decisions that we that we have made. There are people who have eight children and have a great balance in the family. That people who have two children can't handle the time. So it is really up to the individual who says, I have 24 hours in a day. How am I going to split this time up but give quality, create quality? The pressures that we have trying to get so much done and pride ourselves on social media that we are a type A personality. Therefore, we are just so much better than you. It's mind-boggling to me that we have people walking around like that. And I can say of myself that I used to be one of those and never feel that there is time time to relax. It's a waste of time. But we need that in order to recharge because we have lost that infinite mind. Mm. We, We are so compressed in everything that we need to do before we can say, and now we can go to bed and now we need to sleep. So let's take a sleeping pill and just zonk out. As soon as we wake up, my, my phone will remind me of all the things I need to do. Our life has become very small. And in a way, when our life is small, it affects the household. It affects the way the house looks. It affects the way that we look on the inside because the house that we live in is a reflection of who we are, I think. And so you find out that things start breaking down in the house. I'm not talking about your washing machine. Well, I just bought the house and it came with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm telling you. Previous person. But you, you have the... Things start breaking down in the house hmm. or the house doesn't get cleaned or organized or kept up inside or outside. I think all that is a reflection of who we are on the inside. Now, some people say, well, I have a really clean house. And the the Taipei need freaks. It's not about ba- that's no balance. I mm-hmm. I'm looking for something that is balance. Now some of you are listening to this and say, well, that's a bunch of hooey because for me, if I don't stay busy, I feel I'm failing. I'm wasting my day. But trust me, I mean, Dr. Lou, the way you explain it, and the way just your trip to Italy. And, and I know you told me before the show, you just wanted to have fun, go to a, a city, hang out for a while. This because for you, this, this whole concept of we need to find time to relax and downtime and find ourselves 
is very important. Your sister was very different and said, we got to see, we got to travel every day and go somewhere else every day for two weeks. So that is a little bit different in concept, but I like your concept better. I like your concept. I think that we're, most, more people are craving for this time to just get away from it all and there is no clock mm-hmm. and there is no phone and we don't know anybody mm-hmm. and we're just, we can, we can just be, we can find ourselves for a few weeks. I, I just got back from a, a hunting trip and uh, I spent four days sleeping out in the prairie in the back of my truck with my dog. No emails, no calls, no just time to just be quiet and still. And there's a lot of just connection with getting reset with, you know, natural rhythms and light and dark. You know, it was amazing. I normally, you know, I have lights on and I'm working hard. I'm getting stuff done at night. But, you know, it got dark by 7. It was pitch black. And by by 9. 7.35, yeah. 4.45, something like that. Yeah, yeah, by 9, I was ready to go to bed. I was, yeah. was, I was exhausted. And, you know, I was up a little bit before the sun. And, and just that connection with nature and the simplicity of it. Just, you know, not having to, to rush places or to go here and do that or to accomplish this. It was my dog and I are just going to go for a walk. And if we see something... We'll, we'll decide if we're going to shoot it or not. But it was, it was just, you know, it wasn't about the getting an animal or something or a bird. It was, it was the, the quietness of everything and the stillness and seeing the stars at night and the, you know, just hearing the coyotes howl and the, the darkness and, and then the light during the day and the warmth that it, it was just so, I told you after the, the Italy trip and off the running, I was, you know, pretty feeling pretty drained. And um, it was so just rejuvenating to just have those four days of, of simplicity. It was exhausting. I think you texted me, but at the same time, the, the exhaustion, it's a exhaust. The exhaustion came with dragging a deer um, over a mile over rugged terrain. Um, yeah. it, it was it was a heavy deer, mm. <laughs> and then then a long drive home after that. So was it rifle or was it bow and arrow? Uh, I was rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. Montana for you. That's Montana. <laughs> Hellfire. <laughs> Any other hidden causes for uh, fatigue? Dr. Yeah, Lou? we've been we've been going a while. So you know that connection with nature, uh, making time for yourself to play. You know, we 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 as adults when we get busy, that's one of the first things we cut. We cut sleep and we cut fun. We just there's not enough time. I got stuff to do, and that play and it nourishes your spirit and feeds your soul. I can't tell you what's fun for you, but making time every day. I'll ask somebody, what do you do for fun? Well, I went to on vacation, you know, six months ago. We went for a week. It was great. What did you do yesterday? What do you do on a daily basis for fun? And it doesn't have to be, you know, a big thing. It could be 10 minutes. And whatever that thing is for you, if it's playing a guitar, reading, spending time with your kids, you know, petting your dog, your cat, what have you, it doesn't, I can't tell you what that fun is. It's just whatever rejuvenates you and and you find play and laugh that mm-hmm. that's this part of your energy as well that's fulfilling and sustaining uh, another thing is some people are more empathic than others they tend to feel and take on other people's stuff more than others and that is exhausting when you are feeling everybody else's stuff on a real deep level and that you and then you sometimes don't even recognize where the difference is between you and them and people will love you for that because you can just they can just give you all their 
there are problems and you take it on and that just will cause you to feel exhausted as well. All that energy and emotions from other people can, can drain somebody's energy Absolutely. like nothing else. That's a great, uh, that's a great one. The word empath has mm. definitely gained traction. Mm. And I do believe that we're living in a generation with a lot of empathic people. Mm. Yeah. So that, Very sensitive people. And, you know, most people, that's not something they're thinking about when they're feeling tired and they go to the doctor is that, you know, I just, I'm feeling so much of other people's things and, and I'm not even aware that I'm doing that. What, what suggestion do you have for somebody like that? Have you, have you thought about that? Have you heard anybody... If you have been into a seminar where they talk about these kind of things, is there anything that you feel an empath could pay focus to? Focus uh, on? One of the things I have people do is we have an energy field around us. Mm -hmm. an, um, aura, an aura. Yeah, an aura. You know, our, our, you know, if we want to get into physics, anything that generates electricity and has metal in it is going to generate an electromagnetic field. We, Our nervous system constantly sends electrical signals. We have minerals, metals like iron, zinc, calcium, magnesium in our body. So we generate a small electromagnetic field. We can't see it with our eyes, but it's there. You know, just like we can't see the magnetic field around a magnet, but we drop, you know, metal shards around it and we see that field play out. So I have people who are more on the empathic side just in the morning, just sit and feel their body, just starting with their sit bones and their feet, and then just work their way up to their head, just feeling where their body is and feeling their energy. Okay, where, how far out is my energy today? What am I feeling? What's me, basically? And then as they're going through their day, and they're even just walking down the street, and, you know, because a real sensitive person, a real empath, they, they can be walking down the street and they pass some people and all of a sudden they feel anxious or they feel angry and it's not them they're feeling whoever they're walking past mm -hmm. that their energy field so being able to recognize okay i'm all of a sudden feeling anxious and stressed is it me or is it somebody else and then being able to be able to discern okay that's not me and then uh you know i give them a couple options one is you know, do they want to look to see who is it or do they just want to recognize and let go and, and maybe give that person some well wishes and say, you know, I know this isn't mine, this is yours, and I wish you the best with that. And yeah. being able to just not take it on and hold it, not letting people plug in, being able to recognize what I'm feeling, this isn't isn't me, that this is somebody else and what they're going wow. through. That's a, that's a, for an empath, I think that's a very tough thing to do. I think so because they think they are. Mm -hmm that person, that energy. It, it very often came out of a, a skill set um, where something happened that they didn't feel safe and they were able to unplug from themselves so that they could read other people so that they could figure out how to be safe in situations. And then they often will get into professions where that they can use that skill to be able to read people well. And they don't even realize they're doing it a lot of times, but that is important to recognize that that's what they're doing and then being able to again identify where what they are and who they are and where their energy ends is ends and where somebody else's begins and just like we talked about the the mental programs and everything and it it just takes practice you know you, you start just recognizing one part and then seeing and feeling other you know realizing it's somebody else's thing and then learning how to how do i give that back or not take it on 
and they can still use that skill set of being able to unplug and feel other people, but they don't have to hold it and keep it. I see. They can say, okay, I know this isn't mine, and I can use this to, to read the room or to read the person, and then I'm going to just give that back to them, and then I'm back to myself and be able to cleanse that out. But it's exhausting when you start plugging into lots of other people all the time and taking on their problems and feeling all their emotions too. That takes a lot of energy also. That's a, a lot of that ATP budget ends up going to that. And there's not a lot left over then for them at the end of the day. I think body workers mm -hmm. may suffer from that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And people who do that kind of work, for them to feel the energy in the body, they have to be an empath, I think. Maybe um, not. I'd say that if we were to look statistically at it, there's probably a higher number in yeah. the profession. Than but they have not. to learn how to release that energy. But I, I would say not everybody is. You know, in, in the medical profession, we see a lot of empaths and in, in psychology, the same thing. And yeah. even it's, you know, marketing and sales, being able to feel where the person is and what they want and whatnot. You know, people will go into that line as well. So it's, it's not just a, a healthcare practitioner, but other professions as well. We all have some empathy in us, but some people are just more sensitive to it and feel more than than others you know anybody can say walk down the street and see a, a homeless person or somebody having a in a bad way in life and you know feel feel bad for them and you but then you can walk on and it doesn't really affect you the rest of your day so much you know these people they're feeling everything that that person's feeling and then they, they get stuck in that sometimes and then that energy gets drained away from those emotions and that feeling yeah. and it's not even theirs hmm that's an interesting thought as part of this uh, topic, the, uh, the 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 tuning into other people and picking yeah. up on energy. Wow. Yeah. And and it's not that everybody who's got fatigue is an empath and they're of taking on. Not. And it, you know, it's just it's another thing on the list that we need to look at. If somebody has low energy, and especially for a long period of time, is another thing that we're we're factoring into to where they might be losing energy. And, you know, we're looking at all these things and it's not, again, Americans, we tend to like the, the magic bullet, the one pill, the one thing, and can be a combination of multiple, multiple things. Yeah. yeah. Meeting inflammatory foods. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. I'm not sleeping well. I'm not, you know, I'm having under a lot of stress and, you know, and I'm empathic on the same level. All these yeah. things accumulate to not having enough energy to be able to enjoy your life. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we want to get to the bottom of it and give the body what it needs give you, you know, not just supplements or pills and medications, but things that you can do in your life to basically regenerate your energy. So it's a self-sustaining well, um, and not just, you know, something you're constantly trying to, you know, you have a hole in the boat that you're, you're constantly using a, a tablespoon trying to get the water out. You know, mm -hmm. we need to plug that hole. Yeah. In. Yeah. How about where would you feel early childhood trauma could fit in? Oh, that factors in big time. <laughs> but where? Where would it fill in with the adrenal stress? Or do you say it can deal with the empath? So uh, adrenal stress, adrenal stress, will, will it'll factor in huge, you know, because that's a survival thing. Adrenals are all about survival. Yeah. Um, so if, if there's an, a childhood trauma, that can put somebody into survival mode. I see behind you on your bookshelf, you have the biology of belief. Yeah. Um, and that book talks very much about these he was on my radio show back in 2005 was he? twice yeah he loved it yeah bruce lipton's great yeah um those patterns and, and drain on the adrenal glands and that mindset and then that also can create mental programs 
these programs of how we see the world and how we see ourselves and and absolutely these absolutely. patterns of how we deal with stresses then come up and this is every time this happens we this is how we tend to react and this is how we deal with it and it creates these ruts these programs then oftentimes you know we we can't get what to what we want in life and we feel like we're always not getting there and it's it's not life it's the programs that we're running we have to create different programs if we want something different. So how we look at things and then the empath, you know, somebody we're, we're as a child, we're in some sort of some event that makes us feel unsafe or untaken care of or unloved. We tend to, in psychology terms, your soul disassociates from your, your body essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then you're, you're able to, you know, okay, it's not safe here. So I'm going to just step over here metaphysically and then you know you start to be able to feel other people's stuff, so you know you can read them a little bit better how to be able to survive in those in those things. And that often it's some event in early childhood that sets people up to be more empathic. It's not that it can't happen just from from birth as well, but that often is an experiential thing that happened to them that then mm-hmm. causes them to not feel safe. Uh, act out, and it comes yeah. out sideways. Yeah, it could turn into a. Uh into an eating disorder, yeah. for example, which means you're not nourishing the body, mm-hmm. right? It could be a uh, obesity disorder, you yeah. know, low self-esteem, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. All those things are yeah. exhausting. There's can, none of those, yeah. in my opinion, with that deep side of a trauma, I don't think there's any one of them that is energizing. They're all exhausting. They're Yeah, they're all depleting. We need to feel safe. We need to feel loved. We need to feel that we, we, we have the resources we need to be able to meet our basic needs and have extra. Um, and when we either don't have them or we, we feel that, you know, our expectation of what we should have compared to other people or what we thought we'd have and we don't, you know, okay, I really thought I should be making $150,000 a year and I'm only making $99,000 a year. And that becomes a stress trying to work harder to have that, that number, or I, I thought I'd yeah. have, you know, a, a side by side and a boat and a, mm-hmm. and then you start becoming a slave to the thing as opposed to God. We're and, complex beings. Yeah. Yeah. It is not, humans are not easy to no. figure out sometimes. No. It takes a, a lot, some work to put it all together and, and, People sometimes come in and expect the the magic wand to be waved over yeah, them. Yeah, and yeah. It, if I could, I would. Uh, and I just I joke that the, the Harry Potter wand's been on back order and it just hasn't come in yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be happy to kazam you. But uh, do you ask sometimes your patients why they come in? What do they expect from the visit? So they may say, "Well, I'm exhausted." Yeah. What do you expect from the visit? And that they that they maybe say, I I hope you give me something when I walk out of here that gives me more energy by the end of the day. Yeah. But the way you are explaining things today, are people willing to even go that journey with you? On the intake form, one of the first questions is what are you what would three expectations of today's appointment be? Oh okay. so, cool. So I want to know going in, you know, where are their heads at, what do they want from me? Uh, and then even though they, they said that, I usually ask towards the end of the appointment, if you had three health goals working with me over the next few years, what would you like to see change? Hmm. Just to set up, try to set up, you know, that, that idea that this isn't you come in once or twice and I'm going to fix all your problems by taking this. This is a process. Usually take some time. Um, and we're, we're building up. Um, and it's, it's not, some doctors have a 
a protocol system where every patient gets seen this many times in the first month and this. It, for me, everybody's different. I don't have any of that stuff. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I'll, I'll joke with people that you seem lovely, but I don't want to see you more than I have to. So, you know, some people it's, it's, you know, there's more time in between appointments, other people, okay, where you're at right now and for your goals, we need to see you more frequently to get you where you want to be. But that's not everybody. Some people you're doing, you know, for what we're doing, I don't need to see you for four months. For what we're doing, I need to see you next week. So it, it just depends on what we're doing, where they are. For what we're doing for today, how long do I think it'll take before we start to see some positive change so we can reassess, are we on the right track and are we doing the right things in the right amounts and everything and then to go to the next step. Yeah. So that's how, how that factors in. But yes, I, I ask people what their goals are. And as far as are they ready for it, some people are. Some people aren't quite there yet. I used to get caught up in, I got them feeling great and they didn't come back. Uh, they didn't, I didn't educate them enough on the healthcare. You know, you got to keep coming in to feel, keep feeling good. Or, you know, I didn't get, they didn't get better fast enough and they went somewhere else. Uh, zoom out a little bit. Whatever my role was supposed to be is what happened. I, I said something, I did something that, that helped them or changed their trajectory. And if I wasn't the person they were supposed to work with, hopefully they found the person they were. Uh, or I got them to the next level and that's where they needed to be. Or they were supposed to teach me something that they were sent to me for me to learn from wow. uh, as well. So, wow. you know, when I, when I started out, I, I felt like referring a little too too fast for you know one two treatments and if i didn't feel like i had you know giant success right away i felt like i had to send them somewhere somewhere else and then i realized they're they're coming to me for a reason and that reason might not be what's on the intake form i might be helping them with other things i had that experience early on where this woman came to me for for one issue, a physical issue, a musculoskeletal thing, and then when we started talking, all this emotional these these traumas started coming out, and she would even say, "I've never told anybody this stuff," uh, and we we just worked through it, and we talked about going to a therapist, but she said she didn't feel comfortable, and she as long as she was you know we were working on the back pain, I kind of listen and we talk and you know kind of give her some things to reframe and think about things a little differently, and and you know then her back pain got better, and I didn't see her for years. And, mm. Years and years, I didn't yeah. see her, and I always wondered, oh, I wonder how she's doing. And then one day, I was, you know, having lunch at the co-op, and and happened to bump into her, and and she just, I mean, she broke down crying and gave no me the biggest, gave me the biggest hug, and said, you know, how much I changed her life, and wow. things, that, you know, the trajectory that her life went on after our work together, just you know, with her back and everything else, emotionally, and it just opened up so many doors for her, and her life just changed uh, tremendously, and how grateful she was for for those appointments. You know, even though she she never came back, it, it still the goal was met for me that I had a, a positive impact on her life, and that showed up. Yeah, in that one visit where you run into her at the co-op. Yeah, and it, say, like I said, wow. it probably was about five years five years later. Wow. Um, and so, with appointments, I, I give my all. I've done it long enough that I can't promise I'm gonna you know, may make all your problems go away and, and everything. But, and, you know, people come in, you know, I, I have this, can you help? I was like, I can promise you, I'll give you my best shot and I'll be honest with you. If it's not working out or I think somebody else is a better fit, I'll send you there. But I, I'm not going to tell you that absolutely I, I can make this better or we can get this condition gone, but we, we can at least make an impact and, and do everything we can for it. 
I feel like my goal is to to, to help people on their journey, yeah. to help them in some way. And, you know, doing podcasts and articles that I write and other things, other presentations, you know, that's my, my goal is not to, I just want to have, help people on their journey in some way. If, so if people listen to this podcast and I've rambled on for so long now, but if people just got one thing that they walked away from that they didn't know that helped them in some way, then, you know, that, that was a huge success. On the same line, every word we say is a form of energy. And because words are only put together by energetic tones and tones are vibration. And so everything we're saying is really put out in the ethos. And so it travels as far as it can travel and it will be picked up by those who need to hear and who, who may just need to hear this at a moment when they just need to hear this. And I think that is the beauty of communication and community. I feel you and I are kind of in a communion together mm -hmm. today, talking about these this amazing topic and, and just the way that the spiral just went wider and we're trying to bring it back together to close it. Sure. But it is such a... I, I've been sitting over here and just totally enjoying myself with with you and I know that there are people who, just like you say, if there is one thing that we said, that people say, oh, my God, that is, this was really important that I heard this, that I listened to this whole show. I, I cannot explain it, but it is what it is, and it is energy. And the energy is doing what energy needs to do with people who, can, who are ready to receive that energy. And in a way, it's everybody, but it'll hit them somewhere. And, and uh, some yeah. people will listen to this and like, oh my gosh, like that's the thing. Like I need to work on that or I need to go see somebody to get help with that. And other people, it'll just plant a seed and they're just not quite there yet. And eventually something else will trigger that seed and germinate and, and then they will eventually be ready. And it's, you know, sometimes dots that need to be connected and they just haven't connected it yet. My intention with this is just to, you know, take my experience both personal and, and professionally and, and what I've seen and put together and, and try to help people. So, yeah. you know, what can we do to, to have people feel their best, enjoy their life? It's not always some external thing to, to take. And it's not always, you know, food is important, but it's not always just what you're eating. There's a lot of other factors that, that need to be looked at and evaluated and, and can be, again, that energy drain that's decreasing the quality of life. So, mm. you know, I, I hope I didn't ramble too much today. No, I no, talked. please. It's, yeah. uh, uh, this is, like I said, I sit here and I'm connecting dots. Mm. I'm sitting over here. Now, of course, I'm totally mm. focused. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Uh, listeners maybe are doing sports, they're running, yeah. they're doing something, and they hear bits and pieces. But to me, this has been an incredible experience, mm -hmm. and I want to thank you for that. Sure, thanks it's for, just, the, for the opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you instilled in me things that I, that helped me to put it back together. Puzzle, you know, I keep thinking about a puzzle and pieces that fit in the puzzle, and I heard pieces of the puzzle that make my view better about why certain things happen and why they don't happen. That is, uh, it's very interesting. And I, uh, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you. All right. I had a great time. <laughs> Wonderful. And I hope all your listeners had a great time as well. Please. 
Tune in for more episodes of Health in Focus with Jacobus or see my website, healthinfocusnow.com and sign up for more episodes. Follow me wherever you are. And if you have another chance, go please check out Dr. Lou Walters on his website, thesourcewellnesscenter.com in Bozeman, Montana. His phone number, 406 551 6175. Um, thank you all for listening. It's a long show, but great information. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best, and uh, we'll talk again next time. Bye bye.